What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It is I, your host as always, Adam Perez, back once again with a brand new episode here of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news. Streaming live for you guys uh, over on YouTube. Uh, you can also catch us live over on Twitch, uh, as well as our main page, which is, in fact, our Facebook page also, guys. So uh, definitely coming to you guys from different locations. So uh, wherever you guys are at, thank you so much for certainly joining us today. I know know um we've been kind of off and on uh the past a month or so um schedules have been a little bit hectic um somebody trying to find uh, time to watch the baby for me in the mornings on sundays have become a little bit more difficult um and uh, my co-hosts unfortunately uh, have not been able to participate in a couple of these uh, a plus hero report shows uh so today it is in fact going to just be myself solo for you guys uh, and to be honest with you, man, um, I lost a lot of motivation here this week, especially um, getting towards today uh, in regards to coming up with a bunch of articles and stories to talk about. So honestly, today it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag uh, in regards to whatever we can kind of come up with to certainly talk about today. If anything, uh, we usually post all of our uh, news and articles over on our Facebook page. So I'm probably just going to scroll through the Facebook page today, see what's certainly interesting and definitely go ahead and talk about with you guys. Uh, and then, of course, towards the end of the show, we'll be getting to your guys' live viewer questions. As I know, some people certainly did go ahead and drop live viewer questions. So we definitely will be getting to those for you. Um, no honorable mentions today. Um, but, well, I will say this um, in the sense of, um, you know what, let me go ahead and pull up. Uh, I'm going to pull up this banner real quick. Since we don't have honorable mentions, I will put help wanted um, as we are in the process of um, trying to grow our channel here. Um, but it's been a little bit difficult because um, some of our co-hosts uh, have been a little bit inconsistent for whatever reason, uh, their own particular reasons that they're certainly dealing with. Um, and so I am on the search for additional co-hosts. Um, we are opening up our membership here. Uh, if uh, you know anybody or if anybody out there has any sort of um, experience in front of the camera or at least wants to get some experience, um, if you've ever thought about having your own YouTube channel or doing your own kind of weekly videos, uh, I am looking for consistent collaborators uh, and consistent co-hosts uh, that can certainly come through, um, whether that be on a weekend basis for A Plus Hero Report, whether that be uh, a weekly time television show that you certainly review, um, similar to how we wind up bringing Indy and Stuart in. They were actually um, watching the channel. I think they were like subscribers to the show. Um, I really enjoyed some of their work that they wind up doing uh, and wind up certainly bringing them into the fold, if you will. So um, we are in the process right now of um, bringing people on um, and for different areas too because uh, we are looking to grow the secret is i do ha have a logo that is currently being uh, done right now i'm trying to go ahead and do a rebranding of a plus hero report with a brand new logo i'm hoping to have it towards the end of april here um, but i'll definitely keep you guys posted and in 
doing the rebranding, if you will, um, I personally would like to bring on additional co-hosts. Um, you know, Indian Stewart will certainly still be here whenever they can. Um, but, um, you know, for their own personal life and their own personal reasons, um, it's become very inconsistent for them at times. Uh, and I need consistency here, especially for you guys. Um, so again, we are opening our doors. Um, look, you know, we got different things that we can certainly utilize. If you're great at social media and you know how to go ahead and post and market and whatever the case may be, promote. Uh, if you think you're really great at that when it comes to social media, whether that means creating reels or YouTube shorts or whatever the case may be, or just posting news and reposting what we're doing here on our YouTube channel, we certainly would love to have you on board if you want to do something along the social media side of things and maybe not have your face certainly on camera so much. Um, but if you are interested uh, in getting in front of the camera and doing some sort of reviews, um, you know, look, if there's any particular weekly show out there, um, if you do more streaming where, you know, they drop an entire season, if you want to review a season or review movies off of streaming services, um, something along those lines, we're definitely open to as well. Um, but look. If you are interested in joining the team, certainly go ahead and reach out to me. You can reach out to me at aplusopinions uh, at gmail.com uh, if you want to go ahead and email me uh, or shoot me a message on any uh, social media if you would like to. Uh, but we are opening the doors for other members to certainly join. Uh, now that we're monetized, we definitely want to do our best to not only continue to stay consistent, uh, but also hopefully uh, with your guys' support, not only continue to add better technology and have better production value for the show, uh, but be able to do much bigger things. And hopefully um, uh, that that includes bringing more and more people on board. So if you are interested in joining the family, or again, even if you want to maybe don't want to get in front of the camera, but you want to post news, post information on our social media, we're always looking for people to go ahead and help us out, whether that be our Facebook page, Twitter page, or Instagram as well. So uh, definitely plenty of room uh, as our uh, membership here uh, is hopefully going to continue to grow here relatively soon guys um so yeah if you are interested again we are looking to um branch out and expand our roster here um so yeah if you would like to be a contributor to the channel uh, in any way feel free to uh contact me again at uh, a plus opinions at gmail.com or uh hit me up on social media if you would like to um so that was my little psa for the day uh, what are you guys saying today? Who's up in here with us? We got uh, Marcelino in the house. Uh, he says, hey, I just started watching Runaways. I haven't finished season one yet, but it's basically Naomi done right. Um, you know, uh, Runaways was always a series that I wanted to check on on Hulu, and unfortunately, I just never did. But I always heard great things about it. Um, I I found myself jumping more on board with like Cloak and Dagger, uh, and I wind up unfortunately missing out on the Runaways runaways thing uh dino knights what's up aj certainly good to see you in here man got the opportunity to meet his uh david yost yesterday we definitely talked about that aj so i'm really glad that you uh made your day and that you're actually alive today that uh you get to remember that moment definitely a core memory for sure i think for you what's up carter good to see you in here man uh the most talented man in the world has joined us also good old jack daniels is certainly here also uh power rangers legacy what's up uh, Nicole Robertson certainly coming through. And of course, we got Francois, our international superstar. Uh, and my fellow handsome twin here. What's up, Adam? Good to see you as always, man. Always good to see you. Um, you know, look, man, I, I am in the process right now. Things have been really difficult over here, honestly. If I can be just completely blunt and honest with you. Um, 
you know, the trying to figure out uh, a schedule that really works best for everybody, especially just in my own household, uh, to allow me to be able to get a few hours to kind of do this show is becoming more and more difficult. Um, I do need to have a sit down conversation with everybody and try and maneuver and figure things out. Um, because while I still love and very passionate about what I do, the inconsistency for me is really bringing me down, man, is really just dragging me, honestly. So I definitely need to go ahead and make sure that we can get back on a more consistent basis for you guys. Uh, and so we'll definitely talk a little bit more about trying to see like what day really works best for everybody that we can certainly make this work. Um, so we hopefully will be able to get back onto a more consistent basis for you guys. But again, a lot of that I think comes from also uh, our lack of uh, a roster around here. And so I definitely am looking for additional co-hosts to certainly bring on board. So again, that's either in front of the camera or even behind the camera if you guys are interested in joining a plus hero report definitely go ahead and let me know uh we got uh Abase in the house with us too along with kurt marino what's up kurt good to see you man um all right you know what let's go ahead and get into some topics today again for those of you who are just joining us randomly um, this is going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, I don't really have any particular stories detailed with the exception of maybe like three stories that I know for a fact I want to go ahead and talk with you guys about. But outside of that, it's really just going to be, hey, what uh, what caught my eye certainly, certainly this week? Uh, and if you guys have any particular news articles or topics that you, you know, rumors or whatever case that you guys might have read, definitely go ahead and let me know um, about that in the comment section. And maybe that's some or the uh, live chat. Uh, and maybe that's something I'll go ahead and try and pull up and we could discuss a little bit further. Um, so let's go ahead and get into our first topic of the day. And that will, in fact, be our Marvel's teaser trailer that we wind up uh, getting here uh, sometime uh, earlier this week. I actually did go ahead and rewatch the trailer before I actually sat down with you guys. And I'm always amazed um, to kind of see like the the numbers that a trailer does in regards to views. For instance, when I look at the Marvels here, uh, it was released five days ago and. And it's at 16 million, um, 16 million views already. Same thing with across the Spider-Verse um, trailer that we wind up getting, our second trailer. That was done almost two weeks ago, about 12 days ago. And that's already at 35 million views. Um, so I'm always blown away uh, about the numbers of views uh, that some of these movies wind up uh, uh, attracting within a short period of time. Uh, and to be honest with you, for the Marvels, um, you know, 16 million views in five days ain't bad. If you ask me, I think of anything that's, um, that screams a, a lot of excitement. Uh, and I think a lot of people were eager, uh, for what this movie could certainly be become. Um, let me just say, first off beastie boys, intergalactic soundtrack, extremely great choice. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. It puts me in a vibe every single time. Um, so they immediately got my attention with that. And because of just the fun nature that is that soundtrack, it goes perfectly well with this trailer in the sense of just seeing um, how fun this trio, I think, certainly is going to be uh, on screen. Uh, I really am looking forward to seeing what the chemistry is certainly like, seeing Aman Volani in there as uh, Kamala Khan, uh, and her already sort of being an Avengers fanboy. Um, you, can, you can already see it in here that her eagerness 
Venice certainly has gets the best of her for sure from time to time. Uh, not only is she eager to see Nick Fury, um, but you know she gets to team up with uh, some of her besties that she's always admired, especially Captain Marvel, uh, along with uh, what are they calling her Spectrum? I think they're calling her Spectrum. Um, in this uh, particular movie, and I'm talking about Photon, Monica Rambo. Ram- Rambo. Um, but um, the dynamic looks fun. Uh, the the concept of like the changing of the like the powers and then switching places with each other very gimmicky, if you ask me. But I think it could be a really fun gimmick that could allow for some great humorous sort of moments, if you will. Um, I think this trailer definitely kind of sets the tone. Uh, and the vibe of what this is, that it's definitely going to have its fair share of humor, uh, its wackiness, but yet some really great action. There's a great shot in here that I see of, um, uh, I don't know if the three of them are training or if they're legit fighting against each other. Um, but it seemed like a great action piece where you get to see how the switching places when you activate your powers really come in handy. Because it's a cool shot of like Kamala Khan about to throw a fist at um captain marvel and just as she does it she switches places with spectrum and it's a beam instead and then you see captain marvel turn to the other side and now miss marvel's on the opposite side of her getting ready for her attack i thought it was a really cool shot and i think they can have a lot of fun when it comes to how they do their action um some tag team moves perhaps uh with that idea of switching places rather quickly upon using your powers so a uh, pretty fun stuff um there's some some characters in here i'm really fascinated with it looks like we have like a female version of a Ronin. I don't, I don't know who she is as a, a character in the comics. So I definitely am going to have to learn. Uh, we got a lot more cats in this, in this particular movie. And I, I will say one of my favorite sequences or shots in this trailer was seeing Kamala Khan meet, uh, was it uh, uh goose? the cat for the very first time after it eats like two or three people and she literally freaks out. Um, I think that's probably as, as natural of a reaction. I think anybody can certainly have. So uh, especially when you're not used to seeing things like that, I thought it was absolutely brilliant just to see that blood curdling scream that Kamala Khan wind up having. Uh, there looks like there's even a dance sequence in here too. Um, everybody looks great. Honestly, Monica is spectrum. I'm really fascinated. She looks like she's kind of really taking the lead in this movie. Again, this is just a teaser trailer, so this is like our first images of really seeing it. I'm, uh, clearly, we're going to get maybe a little bit more storyline details in like the official trailer and things like that. Uh, but this is kind of just a, a hype machine. And for me, it certainly did. But it does feel like Monica... Uh, especially as she's working alongside Nick Fury seems to have sort of like that leadership role that I find really fascinating. I I thought the uh, execution of her powers, like seeing the actual, like a weapon kind of phase through her since she can, I think she says she can manipulate like the, the light spectrum or whatever the case may be. I thought it was really cool uh, to kind of see how they um, executed some of her abilities in here. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty more for us to certainly go ahead and check out for ourselves. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play the trailer in the background for myself just to see if there's anything else I missed. Oh, the Sabre Space Station I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, I'm kind of curious as to how long it's taken them to go ahead and build that. Uh, and when, like, how long has this thing been in space? Because uh, they've never mentioned it before in any other MCU 
MCU movie, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is the first time that we're getting an opportunity to see the space station for certainly what it is. But I think it's cool that they managed to bring it to life from the comic books. Um, so that's um, pretty intriguing. Um, and for me, it's just going to for me, the, the issue that I will have with this movie, and I am kind of curious to see how others will take it. Um, it's the idea of like having to have watched Miss Marvel to fully understand things. Like, I do wonder how this movie will kind of simplify it, if you will, for the general audience that maybe hasn't seen Miss Marvel. Um, and look, and I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things that, um, that I feel might hurt this particular movie. Because before I didn't think that we needed to do like Marvel homework before going into a movie. I always felt like phase one through four was very easy for people to just kind of come into the movie and sit down and watch it for what it is and kind of be caught up relatively well. And now that we're getting into uh, these new phases and they've expanded to these shows on Disney Plus, you know, not everybody in the general public has Disney Plus or is going to watch all of these shows. So I do wonder if that will hurt um, the eyes on this particular movie uh, or or I should say how it will be received for some people that maybe don't know Miss Marvel. So for me, it's going to be all about execution and to see just how well the writers really kind of bring um, the audience sort of into the fold and learn who Kamala Khan is if they haven't seen this the series yet. So if that is if there is a concern I have, it's probably that. Um, and that probably goes along with other MCU movies kind of going forward, um, the idea of having to do maybe more homework um, if you haven't necessarily seen everything before catching some of these films. But um, we'll see how it works out. But other than that, you know, the chemistry looks really great. Um, I I've heard a ton of rumors of, of Brie Larson being pissed off on set and not necessarily being the happy, you know, the easiest to work with. Honestly, I haven't heard anybody like from a legit source um, or even like um, anybody from the cast or crew kind of come out and talk about Brie Larson the way that I see them in this movie. It looks like they have a hell of a good time. Um, some of the um, interviews that I've seen from Brie Larson, she's just praising Kamala Khan uh, and how well everything went um, in regards to bringing these characters to life on screen together. So uh, this feels very girl power to me, man. And I think uh, they all got each other's backs. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm going to be really fascinated to kind of see how this turns out. But you know, for me, Kamala Khan won me over in Miss Marvel. I thought it was such a great series. Um, Monica continues to grow on me, especially considering that I know her connection to Captain Marvel from the very first film. So to kind of see how they all work alongside each other for me will really be the um, uh, what makes or breaks this movie. So again, this is just a teaser, uh, but I think the tone, the humor. Uh, the fun elements are certainly there. Uh, I'm hoping that when it comes to the official trailer, though, um, they really sink their teeth into letting us know what the bigger overall picture and really overall threat of this particular movie certainly might be. Um, because, listen, while I enjoy the goofy and the humorous, right, I, I feel like we've gotten a lot of that lately, uh, whether that be from Thor, Love and Thunder, um, you know, we're going to have um, Guardians of the Galaxy certainly right around the corner, but I do think James Gunn brings a great balance to his stuff, so I do expect there to be very heavy emotional tolls and stakes at play in that movie, and so I'm kind of hoping that the same thing 
uh, is in this film also in the sense that, hey, it's great that you've showed us the fun, the gimmicky stuff that really works when it comes to big action set pieces and stuff. But uh, I'm really hoping that there's uh, more substance behind all of this instead of like, a, hey, look, we're switching power we're switching places every time we use powers isn't that funny guys uh so as long as they as long as there's more to it than just that uh i think we might be in good shape but um overall i, I really was really impressed i had a really good time checking out the marvel's teaser trailer and uh, we'll be eager to see what they do next um marcelino says i just checked the comment section on the marvel's trailer and it's filled with samuel L. jackson memes for some reason <laughs> that's funny um uh, Marcelino says, um, Monica Rambo's superhero name is Photon. Yeah, I know it's Photon, but I, there's something that I don't, I don't know if that's the name that they're going with in the movie. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are going with her, uh, with that name in the movie. I thought they were going to go with like Spectrum, uh, for her, but, um, you know, I certainly could be wrong. Uh, either one is fine. They, uh, that's what they definitely, she's got different, different, different names, I should say in the comic books too. So whatever they settle on is more than fine. Um, what's up to Certainly good to see you in here. Enjoy your, uh, uh, impacts rebellion. Uh, certainly enjoy that. Um, and Marcelino says, I hope we get a reason why all their powers are connected and just the fact that they all have Marvel uh, in their name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're probably going to dig a little bit deeper in regards to how their powers are connected. Um, I feel like they kind of hinted or teased at that in Miss Marvel a little bit. Uh, and I wonder if maybe even Shang-Chi will pop up in this movie because I, I do feel like maybe his gauntlets um, or his bracelet or his rings, I guess you can say, along with um, even Miss Marvel's bracelets. I, I do wonder if they are connected also in some in some instance. And the only reason why I say this, because I think even at the end of the Shang-Chi movie, like in the post credit, I believe it was. um Captain Marvel that was that was there in on the meeting, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Sorry, I'm just having myself a little late night coffee. Um, what else did I put on the banner to talk about here this week? Um, what's our next article? Oh, um, let's talk some James Gunn. Let's uh, go over to some DC real quick. I thought this was a pretty interesting um, story here this week. Let me go ahead and pull this up. I'm going to share the screen with you guys. Oh, I thought I had this ready to go. Um, Creature Commandos are in the news this week. Um, we're finally getting some further details here in regards to James Gunn's first upcoming DCU project. Um, we got the full cast. They initially um, revealed the full cast for James Gunn's Creature Commandos. And just as a reminder, this these cast members will actually be reprising their roles in live action uh, if these characters ever get the opportunity to go ahead and uh, and um, join an actual film. Um, it says Collider can exclusively re reveal the entire cast of the Creature Commandos, which is set to be the first animated series within the DCU timeline. As expected, the series will feature the voice talents of James Gunn as Weasel. Um, 
uh, who will be joined by Frank Grillo as uh, Rick Flag Sr. So he's actually Rick Flag Jr.'s father that we saw Rick Flag Jr. from the Suicide Squad. So Frank Grillo will in fact be playing uh, Rick Flag Sr. We got Maria Bakalova as Princess Rostovic, uh, followed by Idira Varma, Indira Varma, excuse me, as the Bride of Frankenstein. We got Zoe Chow as Nina Mazursky. Uh, we also have Alan Tudyk as Dr. Phosphorus. I love, first off, I love me some uh, Alan Tudyk. I'm assuming Alan Tudyk, uh, Dr. Phosphorus, I would assume he is the fire guy in the lab coat. Um, who else do we have here? David Harbour um, as Frankenstein. So, yeah, you got David Harbour here as the Frankenstein monster. Uh, David Harbour also played Hellboy. Uh, and you can also see him in Stranger Things. And then, of course, um, this says this also says Sean Gunn as G.I. Robot. Is that right? Is Sean Gunn playing two different voices? He's playing the Weasel and G.I. Robot. That's interesting. Um, and Steve Angie reprises his role as John Economus. I don't really know too much about uh, who that uh, particular character is. Uh, it says, now that the whole Creature Commandos cast has been revealed, we can start wondering when these characters' live action versions will appear next. Harbor, for instance, is the perfect choice to become Eric Frankenstein. Um, says, and, and Tudix, Dr. Phosphorus would be perfectly primed for a cameo in a Batman movie, given the two um, characters extensive comic book history i didn't know dr phosphorus was a, a, a um on the batman side of things um the seven episode show will focus on an unusual team of dc characters frequently called monsters um and is one of the projects uh that um james gunn is thinking about doing he did recently just come out and mentioned that um creature commandos will be dropping in 2024 um, so we will be getting this in 2024. Um, Superman Legacy begins in 2025. Um, but um, DCU, James Gunn's DCU, really kicking off with Creature Commandos here in 2024. He didn't give a, a spe specific date. But if I'm not mistaken, when they first originally announced uh, the DCU slate, the first two projects that they announced before Superman and Legacy was uh, Creature Commandos along with um, Waller, the Amanda Waller series. So if this is set to go ahead and come out in 2024, um, it would not surprise me. Again, if I had to make a prediction, I would say maybe summer, maybe summer of 2024. This maybe drops. Um, I have a feeling that uh, they haven't made an announcement yet, but something tells me. Amanda Waller might come towards the very end of 2024. Like I can see Amanda Waller 2024 being like early winter or just as the calendar turns into 2025 to maybe give us um, to maybe give us the Amanda Waller series. So I can see Waller kind of being on the edge of 2024, 2025, and then Creature Commandos, according to James Gunn, will be released in 2024, but he didn't clarify when. So if I'm speculating, maybe give me the tail end of summer leading into fall type of thing. But uh, I am kind of curious to know when you guys think uh, this will certainly drop. Um, so again, let's go ahead and go over the cast members 
uh, once again. So you got Sean Gunn as Weasel here all the way to the far right, drooling on himself. That's Sean Gunn. According to this, it also says Sean Gunn will be playing GI Robot, which is right next to the Weasel here. Um, it also says Frank Grillo will be playing um, uh, Rick Flag Sr. all the way here to your far left. It actually kind of looks a little bit like Frank Grillo. I'm not going to lie. Um, then you got Maria Bakalova playing Princess Rostovic, which I believe is the uh, amphibian female uh, inside of her water tank there. Uh, then you've got um, Indira Varma as the bride. As you can see, the bride of Frankenstein there looking great. She's on our thumbnail also. Zoe Chow as Nina Mazursky. Uh, I don't guess uh, maybe she's not um, in this photo. But then you got Alan Tudyk as Dr. Phosphorus, uh, the man on uh, in flames. And then David Harbour as frankenstein so a uh, great lineup man great lineup uh, very talented people to certainly say the least uh so very much looking forward to creature commandos it's odd that you know it's going to be very um it's going to be animation that kicks off this uh slate if you will but i am really fascinated to learn about some of these characters especially in animation form because it does allow you to have these big bombastic sort of action set pieces um that you can't necessarily do when it comes to live action so i do think it's gonna be pretty intense and pretty fun um and you, if you know james gunn's humor uh this kind of feels like something that's lined up to play along the lines of like a suicide squad but um we'll see how it turns out guys but um yeah creature commandos officially cast uh, let's see here. Frank Grillo said he was disappointed how the MCU didn't use crossbones more. Hopefully, for his sake, Rick Flagg Sr. will last a little long time uh, in the James Gunn's DC universe. We'll see, man. We'll see. I think he's probably going to get about the same amount of appearances as he did as uh, as crossbones. I think he only had, what, like two? Two appearances was like Winter Soldier and then in um, the, Sil the Civil War. Um, so, look, I understand his disappointment. I do wish that he played a much bigger role than what he did in something like uh, a Captain America movie. Uh, I think that would have been pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, they, they killed him off relatively, um, I don't want to say rel relatively easy, but uh, he was always a pretty formidable foe, I always thought, of Captain America. So to kind of see him... Um, killed like that uh, and not utilized even more a little bit of a bummer so i can understand frank grillo's disappointment um marcino says john econ econmos is the fat guy tack with the glasses oh okay gotcha yeah um thank you for clarifying that for me um i'm curious to see how the creature commandos will play out in a larger world of dc because you could create dc universe without having Creature Commando, since they really aren't that important or popular. I mean, we really don't know the importance, right? James Gunn could make their very first mission a relatively important one that does have some sort of um, impact on uh, overall scheme of things. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It definitely is a project that no one expected to be greenlit. But um, with James Gunn on board, while this certainly feels like it could be just a random DC animation that people shouldn't care about. Uh, I do think it very much uh, will have an impact on certainly what comes after. Like it, it just feels odd to me that um, James Gunn would create a, a a project 
so early on into his DCU slate that is meaningless. You know what I mean? So we may not necessarily understand um, its importance or popularity uh, for the DCU, but uh, James Gunn definitely does. And I think he'll, um, you know, um, uh, I think he'll uh, I think he'll show their worth for sure. And uh, who knows, maybe we get ourselves a new batch of uh, great characters to certainly enjoy and love for sure. Um, what else we got here? Um, oh, I thought this was another interesting article here to talk about this week. Um, real quick before I do good old Jack Daniels. What's up, Jack? He says, uh, are you pumped for the MMPR special this week? Um, I am. I am. I'm uh, I'm pretty stoked, man. I'm pretty stoked. The closer it gets, I I can't really contain myself. You know, there's a part of me that knows that we have um we have a a fan stream tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think Hasbro has a fan stream tomorrow. I unfortunately work from the office. I got to see what time it is. Maybe it's something that I can listen to while I'm at work. But that definitely will get people pumped two days two days out before once and always. But um, yeah, I'm really excited, man. Wednesday's gonna be a big day. I'm a little bit bummed that I didn't take the day off like I like I certainly should have. Um, but I'll probably watch it either on my lunch. Well, it's 55 minutes. I might actually have to watch it when I get home. If anything, maybe sometime um Wednesday night, if I can. Um if not Wednesday night, then maybe Thursday. No, I can't do it Thursday night either. You know, I may not talk about once and always until like Friday or Saturday, honestly, guys. Um, but I'll definitely be watching it same day it comes out. There's no way I'm uh, not watching it when it's released. So I'm definitely checking it out. Um, let's see here. Another uh, topic for today that I found interesting. Um, James Bond is back in the news, baby. James Bond. You know, Daniel Craig had his last outing as the hero. And the big question right now is who is going to take over? I think a lot of the speculation for some of us was the idea that they would probably go younger. So that they can, you know, keep them around for longer, you know, longer years type of thing. Um, but younger uh, isn't necessarily on their mind. Uh, younger may not necessarily be better in this sense. Um, this is from the James Bond casting director. Younger actors have lacked the gravitas and the mental capacity to play 007. I mean, if that's not like a you need to be this tall to ride this ride sort of mentality, man, uh, they definitely keep ca ca catching people up. Uh, in regards to like, look, man, if you want to come out for this casting job, uh, you're going to need to bring it. Uh, and some 20, little 20-something-year-old person that's barely lived their life uh, or experienced anything, maybe not be able to uh, handle the, uh, the, the ride that comes with being James Bond. This is in a new interview at Radio Times, longtime James Bond casting director Debbie McWilliams explain why younger actors usually don't, don't fit when it comes to finding a new James Bond. She says, when we started, uh, it was a slightly different feel. Um, it says, uh, we did look at a lot of younger actors 
Uh, and I just didn't think they had the gravitas. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the mental capacity to take on because it's just not the part they're taking on. It's a massive responsibility. Um, she also added, so we kind of scrubbed that idea and went back to the drawing board and started again. It says the team settled on Daniel Craig, who was in his 30s at the time. The decision did not receive unanimous praise. As McWilliams told Entertainment Weekly back in 2021, she felt sorry for Craig after his casting led to extreme blowback from press who thought Craig didn't fit the part of Bond. It was unbelievably negative, I have to say. Uh, the press response was awful, and I felt so sorry for him. But in a funny kind of way, I think it almost spurred him on to do his damnedest to prove everybody wrong. The whole way through the film, stuff would come out about how he couldn't walk and talk. He couldn't run. He couldn't drive a car properly. So much stuff, which was completely and utterly untrue. Uh, and he just kept his head down got on with the job, and then when the film came out, everybody went, oh, wow, I think we quite like him after all. Um, the search for his replacement will begin at some point this year, um, is what um, the producers have certainly said. It says when people go, oh, uh, who are you going to get? It's not just about casting an actor for the film. It's about the reinvention and where are we taking it? What do we want to do with the character? And then once we figure that out, Who's the right person for that particular reinvention? Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting, honestly, um, her points of view on that. So it does at least let us know, one, um, that casting has not begun yet, that they are planning on at least doing that a little bit later on in the year. Um, and if anything... It just also goes to show just um, the idea of what these people that are coming out to to, to cast for uh, understand kind of what they're getting themselves into. Um, but I understand it. You know, well, first off, let me just speak on the Daniel Craig stuff. You know, look, Daniel Craig got blasted just like Hugh Jackman got blasted. Um, you know, we, we tend to have a mindset of like who we think is going to be perfect for a role or who we think is going to like is the only person that can kind of play this role. And sometimes we even get ahead of ourselves before casting's even done. And so when uh, the casting announcement is done, sometimes people are like, really, this guy, this guy. But in reality, we don't necessarily know what they're going for, what the script is certainly asking for. So when you do get people that get the opportunity to, to read these casting sides and go out for these particular roles, the people that we may certainly have in mind maybe doesn't necessarily line up with that because of the fact that they're just not looking for that particular type of James Bond. That James Bond or that actor that plays James Bond isn't quite fitting the direction that they want their script to go into uh, or even what type of movie that they certainly want to go ahead and create. And I think that's what she explained really towards the end that once we have sort of like that script in mind and we have an idea of like where we want to take this James Bond, how we want to do these films. Once we know that, then we can go ahead and find the perfect person to kind of fit that role. But I do think that she's right in the sense that you, I do think that you do need life experiences um, that you do need to, cause I, it's one of those, like, look, even though you like, you're an actor, like you really got to make me kind of believe it. You know what I mean? Uh, and to have somebody that's like 
under 30, 20, 25, 26, maybe a lot of life experiences that they certainly still have yet to go through. I mean, look, is there a big difference between 25 and 30 or 25 and 35? I would probably say, yeah, I would probably say, yeah, just in regards to really where your life takes you when you hit your 30s. Uh, the perspective that you get, I think um, it certainly allows for you to be a lot more introspective in your in your own life. Um, and I think that really is what adds to sort of that gravitas, um, understanding your character, your role. Um, maybe, you know, you may not necessarily be a secret agent in real life, but for emotional things that a 30-something-year-old or a 40-something certainly might go through that say a James Bond might be experiencing, you probably want somebody that has gone through those same experiences or at least at that point, their point in life, understand what going through those kind of experiences truly mean to them. So I do think there's a lot of um, truth to what she's certainly saying. And um, I think if anything, it probably will allow us now as the general public to kind of um, do some casting of our own, some fantasy casting of our own, if you will, and now try and look for people that are above 30 years old that certainly might be able to do that. Because uh, again, Daniel Craig was in, in his 30s at the time, and they managed to get you know five movies out of this dude before he decided to certainly go ahead and call it quits. So I think 30 is a pretty good, uh, pretty good age to go ahead and uh, bring in your James Bond. And if I'm not mistaken, I think even for him at 30, when you go back and you check out Casino Royale, that's really supposed to be, I think, like James Bond's first kill, um, or at least in the um, uh, in in the beginning half of the movie, at least, right? So, still very much relatively young agent at the age of thirty. Um, so, look, I don't know who's gonna fill Daniel Craig's shoes. I was a big fan of his, but I thought it was pretty interesting um, that they talked a little bit about the casting here this week. Um, let's see here. What else we got for you guys today? Oh, here we go. Um, I thought this was a pretty good, interesting piece of news today. Uh, this comes to us from Deadline.com. You know, we've talked uh, over the past couple of um, months now, if not the past year or so. Amazon Prime, or just the company Amazon in general, uh, have really been acquiring some amazing properties as of late. Um, striking deals for the Tomb Raider um, IP, the intellectual property. Same thing with um, God of War, try, trying to do some video game adaptions of their own. I'm sure there's plenty of other announcements that we've uh, pointed out. I mean, Amazon taking a big swing on their Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power stuff also. But uh, Amazon is not done. They're not done. Uh, this comes to us from Deadline.com. Oops, where'd it go? Come back. No. Did I lose it? There we go. Um, this comes to us from Deadline.com. Robocop, Stargate, Legally Blonde, and Barbershop among titles in the works for film and TV as Amazon looks to supercharge their MGM IP. I honestly forgot that they even purchased or acquired the MGM sort of IP, but uh, they're definitely going to be utilizing it here. Um, it says exclusive MGM's extensive film and TV catalog built over the past century was the main driver behind Amazon's $8.5 billion acquisition of the storied Hollywood studio. 
For the past year, since the deal closed in March of last year, Amazon Studios has been sifting through MGM's library, identifying about a dozen initial titles for film and TV development, including RoboCop, Stargate, Legally Blonde, Fame, Barbershop, The Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, and The Thomas Crown Affair. We hear A-list creative auspices have reached out to inquire about adapting MGM IP, which they are fans of. That sounds awesome that people are like A-list creatives are already hyped about this particular purchase for Amazon and are ready to go ahead and work with them on some projects. It does say that Amazon Studios has also been leaning on its own roster of talent for some projects. Each title is being approached differently. Some are being steered towards film, some towards TV, and some big ones are getting both movie and TV treatment. For instance, Amazon Studios is actively in early conversations on Legally Blonde, both for a movie and a TV series, sources said. Uh, they already had been on and off efforts to get a third Legally Blonde movie off the ground for the past five years. Similar plans for Stargate. We hear both film and TV installments are considered, with the movie likely going first. RoboCop is also being talked about for both film and TV with a TV show possibly first. Uh, and then you say um, the actively developing TV series on fame, barbershop and the magnificent seven. As far as uh, Thomas crown affair, uh, there is talks about a movie along with the black Panther, uh, a black Panther, a pink Panther movie, excuse me, a pink Panther movie, which could be animated. There's also a poltergeist project, um, as a possibility somewhere down the road. Uh, Deadline already revealed plans for the Creed universe spanning film and TV. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was the other one that we had just recently talked about was the Creed universe over on Amazon. Um, there are currently no plans for other James Bond series beyond the unscripted competition series announced shortly after Amazon's acquisition of MGM closed as the franchise producers are focused on figuring out the next film installment. So James Bond is very much focused on um, the movies as of right now. But look, man, um, I love this news. Uh, I truly do. Um, coming from a, a kid that grew up in the 80s. Um, the first and second RoboCops movies for me were like uh, incredible. I used to love absolutely watching them as a kid. Um, so any more RoboCop, I would be completely on board for. They did just recently have a RoboCop movie, maybe what, within the last 10 years, maybe? Yeah, 2014. Um, oh, my God. That's almost 10 years ago as of right now, about nine years ago. Uh, we did have ourselves a RoboCop movie. Um, I didn't mind that film. Um, you know, it, it was okay, I guess. I didn't, you know, it uh, was that Joel Kinnaman uh, who played RoboCop? Um, but maybe it was just the nostalgia factor for me that it made me enjoy it a little bit more than I probably should have. Um, but I can understand why we never got a sequel. They didn't really do anything with it. It was just okay. Just def definitely didn't live up to the past RoboCops for me at all. But um, look, the fact that we uh, Amazon is getting a hold of it, I think the idea of film and TV with the possibility of a film or, or TV coming first, whatever direction they go, uh, I love the idea. RoboCop has my attention. Barbershop probably also has my attention a little bit also in the sense of uh, television. But for me, for me, Stargate, baby, all day. Stargate all day. Um, 
I grew up a big fan of Stargate. Love the movie, first off. That is definitely a movie I feel like I can uh, put on and enjoy each and every time that I certainly watch it. But um, I watched all the Stargate series, honestly. Uh, the first Stargate series, um, SG-1 was fantastic. Um, I loved me some uh, Stargate Atlantis. That's when I... That's when I really first discovered um, Jason Momoa. My uh, girlfriend had my, not my girlfriend, my, my mom. My mom had like the biggest crush on Jason Momoa ever since um, Stargate Atlantis. Um, so that was always pretty fun for me. Um, and Stargate Universe. Stargate Universe was pretty odd in its own sense, where I think it was like a ship that had a Stargate on it, but like um, I think they were trapped on the ship, if I'm not mistaken. It was super short-lived um and i really wanted more of it but um yeah man richard dean anderson from sg1 was always my favorite i grew up a macgyver guy so wherever um richard dean anderson went i followed um so i was always a big uh fan of both of them and so yeah man sg1 atlantis universe um i sat down and i ate it all and i've been asking myself for years when are we gonna get more stargate there's gotta be some level of like um demand for it certainly out there um i, I want to kind of get back into those sci-fi adventures if you will uh, and i think stargate would certainly bring something like that um it did say here just recently there was a web series called stargate origins i do recall hearing that uh, back in 2018 i don't know how many episodes it had but it was a web mini series um didn't get the chance to check it out for myself but maybe i'll go ahead and um and and look it up but i think that was the most recent thing that we wind up having it looks like for the most part there was a significant gap in time for any star stargate um property um stargate universe ended in 2011 uh and the next thing that we wind up getting was stargate origins in 2018 but after that uh absolutely nothing so robocop Stargate uh, and Barbershop uh, on this list definitely has my attention. And so, um, yeah, give it to me, Amazon. I continue to really appreciate the um, the acquisitions that they continue to make, man. I mean, you want to talk about like the big three when it comes to streaming services? Amazon's got to be up there in regards to like quality content that you can count on um, and go back and enjoy. I mean... Top four, I, I got to think, is like Netflix, Disney, HBO Max, and Amazon. Um, but maybe I'm tripping, guys. What are your like? What are your top three streaming services that you're currently using right now? Definitely go ahead and let me know your guys' thoughts down below. Um, you know what? Who else we got in here? What's up, Ram Jam? Good to see you, buddy. Uh, Marcelino says, will RoboCop finally get a good movie or show that has the same flair and writing that makes it feel like the first RoboCop film? I don't know, man. It's really hard to recapture that. Will it get a worthy revival? Uh, we'll just wait and see. Yeah, I, you know, I am curious. I thought the 2014 RoboCop was going to be a good revival, but um, unfortunately, it just kind of um, didn't do too much. Um, so I'm kind of hoping they somehow managed to find that magic again uh, for a good RoboCop movie. I mean, look at the, the day of AI that we're kind of living in these days. Um, I, there might be a story there. You know what I mean? There might be a story there to go ahead and create a, a RoboCop, if you will. 
Um, what else we got for you? Oh, you know what? We got to talk about one of the biggest things of news. And this, 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 this one might go on for a while for you guys, because this one, um, this one article that we're about to get into will literally cascade into a bunch of other announcements for you guys. Um, real quick though, Ram Jam says the original RoboCop will be my favorite for me. Yeah, man, there's something about like that factory battle towards the end. Um, when you got Murphy, he's got like his half his helmet off now, I think. Right. And his uh, partner are trying to take out like the, the, the gang and the squad. Um, I just remember, I just remember, I remember the toxic bath that some of these dudes took, uh, and like the prosthetics and the, like the, the, just the, the, <laughs> the practical effects and just the design of the, like their faces drooping and melting. I mean, it was, look, the 80s had some horrific and like really graphic shit if you were a kid. I don't even remember what uh, RoboCop was rated. It might have been rated like PG or some crazy shit like that, but had so much crazy violence. I don't know. It might have been a rated R film. It was kind of graphic, honestly, uh, even though I watched it as a kid. And I just remember also this guy taking like, it wasn't a javelin. I think it was like a rusty pipe and like just like just streak like stuck in it right into the middle of uh, RoboCop's chest sort of thing. Just unbelievable stuff, man. I, I absolutely loved uh, RoboCop. He always had this really cool ways too of like utilizing. Um, uh, uh, I remember he like used his gun to like ricochet off of the wall and like hit his hit the person he was trying to aim. They might have had somebody like uh, as a hostage, like oh, I'll blow her brains out, man. I'll blow her brains out. And Robocop like just turns his gun to the side and it like ricochets off the wall and hits homeboy. And I mean, it, really cool stuff. Uh, growing up as a kid, I absolutely loved it. But um, yeah, Ram Jam says it was uh, it was brutal. It was definitely rated R. Uh, yeah, Robocop was definitely rated R. After I said PG, I was like, no way. It had to be rated R. It was it was pretty graphic. It was pretty graphic. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what um, what Amazon can certainly do. But again, acquiring amazing IP to certainly go ahead and create uh, hopefully some amazing hits. But let's talk about our next hit, uh, or at least something that Warner Brothers Discovery is hoping certainly turns into a hit. Because as you guys know, Disney, uh, Disney Discovery Plus, along with um, Warner Brothers, have in fact merged. We have ourselves the brand new CEO and David Zaslav. And one of the things that we've been waiting for quite some time is the merger between both of these streaming services where you've got um, Discovery Plus and HBO Max becoming one thing. And it seems as though now David Zaslav has figured it out. As this past week, we wind up not only getting ourselves um, an announcement, um, but we got ourselves a launch date, new programs, pricing, Everything that you guys need to know about what's happening with this new streaming service, especially the title. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into this, shall we? Uh, this comes to us from Deadline.com. And I'm sorry, guys, if you hear dogs barking in the in the background, our next door neighbor has um, picked up two strays and literally just has them in uh literally just has them in the backyard tied up and they bark all all day long, all day long. So I do apologize about that, guys. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into this article. Max launch date. So guys, first and foremost, can we just say this? Warner Brothers Discovery, they've come up with a brand new name for HBO Max's service. It's no longer going to be called HBO Max, just Max. 
In fact, let me see if I can find um let me see if I can find me a um I want to, do they have a wallpaper yet? No max wallpaper. Let's see if they have like an actual max um photo um to kind of see like what the new logo certainly looks like. Warner Bros. Of Ray Max. You have anything here? I don't have a, I don't have a photo for it. But I'll try and find it for you guys later. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about this, shall we? Because uh, there are some big changes. So it's called Max. They've taken the HBO out. It says, this is our time. This is our chance. David Zaslav said today in his live stream intro of the company's unveiling of Max. It's rebranded streaming service that goes live May 23rd. This is our rendezvous with Destiny. It says Max will be the streaming destination for Max and HBO Originals. Um, I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> um, the Warner Brothers films, the DC Universe, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and kids content, along with programming across food, home, reality, lifestyle, and documentaries from leading brands, including HDTV, Food Network, Discovery Channel, TLC, ID, and more. So they're really bringing uh, everything under this one particular umbrella called Max. Um, and they did discuss brand new programming. It says, calling Warner Brothers Discovery the greatest storytelling company on earth and the biggest and most successful creator of content. Um, it says, Max is home to shows that have a supersized effect on people and culture singling out um, Last of Us, The White Lotus, Succession, and Euphoria. Billing Max as the one to watch for every mood and every moment uh, is its tagline. Uh, if you guys are interested, the service has uh, three tier pricings officially. Um, $99 a month um, or $100 a year for ad-supported. That's an ad-supported tier. So $99 a month gets you ads. No ads, you have um, $15.99 a month or $150 a year. So without ads, $15 or $15.99 a month, uh, which offers two concurrent streams also. And last but not least, for $19.99 a month, you get Max Ultimate, which is a Max Ultimate ad-free, but also up to four concurrent streams. I'm assuming the concurrent streams means like four people can watch it at same time compared to the $15.99 where it's only two concurrent streams. Like only two people can be watching the um, service at one time. Um, so it'll be interesting. $9.99 a month for ad-supported. That's called Max Ad Lite. $15.99 for max ad free or $19.99 a month for the max ultimate ad free. It says this new brand signals uh, an important change from two narrower products, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, to our border uh, broader content offering and a consumer proposition. So they did have some highlights, okay, some programming highlights that I think uh, alone are certainly worthy of talking about. So I'm going to close this down here. And first up, let me go ahead and see if I can bring, uh, did I pull that story up here? Because we got multiple different um, 
programs that they have announced. I was really surprised on this day um, because it wasn't just the max announcement. It was like also, hey, guys, look at all the other cool shit we're doing here uh, to bring in this um, to bring in this uh, max and just everything that they're doing. So the first announcement that they wind up having was, in fact, returning to the world of good old Harry Potter. That's right, baby. Harry Potter is coming back. Um, a, a Max original Harry Potter television series, a faithful adaption of the beloved original books. Um, so let's go ahead and clarify this for you. So it's a TV series is officially happening at Max. Uh, it says it's official. Uh, Harry Potter TV series is coming to the streaming service, formerly known as HBO Max. Um, here's how the series is described by Max. So they describe it as the stories from each of JK Rowling's Harry Potter books will become a decade long series produced with the same epic craft, love and care. This global franchise is known for the series will feature a new cast to lead a new generation of fandom full of the fantastic detail, much loved characters and dramatic locations that Harry Potter fans have loved for 25 years. Each season will be authentic to the original books and bring Harry Potter and these incredible adventures to new audiences around the world. While the original classic and beloved films will remain at the core of the franchise and available to watch globally. It says we're delighted to give audiences the opportunity to discover Hogwarts in a whole new way. Harry Potter is a cultural phenomenon and it is clear that there is such an endearing love and thirst for the wizarding world. In partnership with Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling, this new Max original series will dive deep into each of the iconic books that fans have continued to enjoy for all of these years. J.K. Rowling's even said, Max's commitment to preserving the integrity of my books is important to me, and I'm looking forward to being a part of this new adaption, which will allow for a degree of depth and detail only afforded by a long-form television series. Um, you know, David Zaslav has definitely talked very openly about wanting, yeah, yeah, yeah standing up, standing ovation. Um, David Zaslav has talked very openly about wanting to go ahead and do uh, a live, uh, live Harry Potter television series and his importance of bringing J.K. Rowling's sort of into the fold. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you when it comes to this particular story. Um, I I see a need for it, and at the same time, I don't. Okay. Um, the need for it, I would say is simply the idea of, I just, I've heard complaints and I have, I've heard complaints from Harry Potter fans that, um, who love the books, enjoy the movie, but have maybe complained at the idea that the movies themselves have just sort of overlooked or not, uh, referenced certain things that happen in the books onto the big screen. I mean, look, that's the trouble of adapting something, right? When you have a novel that's so many pages, especially as these Harry Potter books get thicker and thicker and thicker, um, it 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 makes it harder to fully adapt everything from a book onto the big screen. But if you ask me, I think the Harry Potter films have done a pretty good job in regards to what they can do. And I can con I can honestly say the Harry Potter films will continue to stick around regardless of what they do television wise here um, to be sort of the it Harry Potter things to look uh, to look out for. So when I when I hear the idea of a television series, 
this feels very much like appeasing those fans um, that, you know, really want the book itself to be more purely adapted. Um, and so that's what it definitely feels like is that they're going to have themselves a lengthy amount of episodes, enough time to go ahead and tell each book per season, if you will, uh, and allow it to really get into even maybe more details uh, that something like the movie itself certainly couldn't have done. So it's it just it's just it, it is interesting because it is one of those things where I, where I personally have always wanted a Harry Potter television series. This is not what I had in mind. <laughs> I was always under the impression that we would maybe eventually follow Harry Potter after um, those particular films. But instead, they are going back in time and really just retelling the stories that we've seen so far in the movies, just much more long form, you know, not really missing out on the details. Uh, and so I do think in some regards that'll definitely make some Harry Potter fans very happy. And maybe some Harry Potter fans rolling their eyes in a sense, like, like we already got our, our Harry Potter movies. We don't need these television series. But I do think that there are some fans that certainly would really appreciate a television series. What I also find very fascinating, too, is the idea that it's going to be a new cast. How are people going to receive the idea that it's not Daniel Radcliffe or, or Emma Watson, right? Um, I can never – Rupert, whatever the – I can't remember the other guy's name that plays Ron. I'm sorry, Ron. I'm sorry. <laughs> he always gets shafted in some way or another. But uh, I am curious, are we ready for a new Ron, Hermione, and uh, and Harry? Um, that, I think, is going to be the test. I am kind of curious to see who's going to be cast. Um, so that's really what it comes down to. Is there going to be an appetite for this? Um, I do think there's going to be a market because Harry Potter fans love Harry Potter. So people will come out and watch it. I am just kind of curious as to how popular it will be. And the idea of doing a a decade-long run, is that something that's already given? If this, if the first season flops and nobody watches, are we still going to get nine other seasons even though people aren't necessarily asking for this? Um, so I am kind of curious. I am kind of curious. I Look, I appreciate Warner Brothers' devotion to it. They wanted more. There are times that this feels maybe a little bit too... Um, you know, milking the franchise, if you will, trying to create. It's like maybe J.K. Rowling just does not want to create brand new stories past what she's already written. And so maybe this is what they settled on or came up with in a sense of like, well, we do want more Harry Potter IP because it is a great money grab. Um, but also, if you're not going to make new content, uh, what do we do? Uh, and so it seems as though maybe this is what they decided to um to land on so we'll see we'll see how it turns out uh this could work or it could not work uh, uh what's up marcelino he says uh well we'll either get a good adaption in tv format with material that couldn't be shown in the movies or we'll get a witcher scenario where they completely deviate from the books and create their own story i, I think it's going to be adapted and the only reason why i say it's going to be directly from the books is jk rollins is involved if she wasn't involved then i think then maybe we might um ha have that situation but I do think if there's anybody that wants to be as true to what she's certainly written, it's definitely J.K. Rowling. So I, I I do expect them to go more along more along that route. So look, guys, if you like the Harry Potter movies, but you maybe like the books better, uh, maybe this is something that's right up your alley in the sense of um, having them do a ten year long 
Harry Potter series run as they break down each season per book. Um, so that's just the first announcement that Max gave for their upcoming streaming service. They also announced an original comedy series derived from the Big Bang Theory. So maybe we're getting ourselves a little bit of a spinoff there. Um, and also, we actually wind up getting a Game of Thrones announcement. That's right. An HBO original Game of Thrones prequel was officially greenlit. That's right. Not only not only did we get Game of Thrones, we're also now getting House of the Dragon. But on top of that, we got another one to certainly enjoy, baby. Let's go ahead and pull this up here for you guys. This one comes to us from um, the uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, and our next spinoff is going to be called, or, well, I should say, uh, it says Game of Thrones Dunk and Egg prequel officially ordered. Uh, we have been talking about um, the long list of Game of Thrones spinoffs that were in development or at least very much in early development. Um, and, you know, we've always talked about the idea that they um, not all of these spinoffs are going to be green lit, right? There's only going to be about a handful or so, maybe two or three that actually we get the opportunity to see the light of day. I mean, who knows? Maybe they, these all do so incredibly well that they just keep dishing them out, keep dishing them out. Um, but um, House of the Dragon is here, and now Game of Thrones Duncan Egg prequel is here also. Uh, this comes, it says, uh, the Game of Thrones Empire is an expanding once again. Um, the new streaming service now called Max has officially ordered to series a new prequel. So it's not called Duncan Egg. It's officially going to be called A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. It says the title is based on George R.R. R. Martin's popular trio of Duncan Egg novellas, which chronicled the story of Dunk, the future Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, Sir Duncan the Tall, and Egg, the future King Aegon the fifth Targaryen as they wander Westeros having adventures roughly a hundred years before the events of the novels. The project is the second prequel to officially get ordered to series following the house of the dragon. The description, it says a century before the events of game of Thrones, two unlikely heroes wandered Westeros, a young, naive, but courageous knight, Sir Duncan, the tall and his diminutive squire egg, Set in an age where the Targaryen line still holds the Iron Throne and the memory of the last dragon has yet passed from living memory, great destinies, powerful foes, and dangerous exploits all await these improbable, incomparable friends. George R. R. Martin himself will be writing on the show with the author billed as an executive producer and writer alongside Dragon. Um, Ira Parker the House of the Dragon showrunner, Ryan Caldall, will also executive produce. It says the project represents a different kind of Westeros tale than Thrones or Dragon. The other shows are sweeping war epics with sprawling ensemble casts that take place in multiple locations. Whereas here for the Duncan Egg stores a more intimate two-handers with a bit of a lighter tone. The title has suggested another series in the wolf and cub genre of a protector and a ward wandering a dangerous landscape in the wake of HBO's success of things like The Last of Us and Mandalorian. So it'll kind of take that type of um, that type of a tone. 
It says the Hedge Knight project was one of the several put into development in hopes of adding to the company's past Game of Thrones arsenal. Um, so yeah, man, we got a uh, more Game of Thrones on the way. I think if anything, for me in this one, um, I am fascinated by the idea of George R. R. Martin being involved as much as he is, especially in the sense of, um, especially in the sense of, um, being like the writer for the show. Look, <laughs> George R. R. Martin has got so many things to write and catch up to. Like Homeboy has not even finished his other novel yet. Like people were literally waiting for this man to go ahead and finish this 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 uh this series of his. And each and every year, uh he comes up with an announcement. Oh, I'm working on it. Uh I'm working on it. Bitch, you ain't working on nothing. <laughs> you ain't working on nothing anymore. George R. R. Martin has officially given up finishing off his novel. Um it's never going to happen. I personally don't think. Instead, his time is going to be made in helping HBO not only kick off these series, but also write as well and bring in some amazing paychecks. Okay. Because uh, I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin's probably getting paid a ton from HBO instead of having to finish off a novel. Uh, so I don't expect George R. R. Martin to finish that novel anytime soon, uh, as he's very much involved with HBO creating these spinoffs. Um, but look, I appreciate the idea of them clarifying the differences between this prequel and the other game of thrones things the idea of this being a little bit of a lighter tone compared to the sprawling war epics now i think a lot of us love the sprawling war epic and so it'll be really fascinating to kind of see how people uh with the new direction that this prequel series is going to take are we going to come back for more are we going to are, are we going to be just as attached to this series as we have been for the other two sprawling war epics of game of thrones books uh, and so um the idea of them changing it up which i appreciate them changing it up but you know you got such a big franchise so many grand novels to go ahead and certainly adapt uh the idea of giving us something a little bit different in this world i do think certainly does go a long way so i will be fascinated to see how people react to uh, a game of thrones series that may not necessarily be like uh, what we've certainly have had before um but this continues to grow I, I hope that we also eventually get something like the um the Jon Snow series that they had talked about. Uh, I know Kit Harrington has talked about just how involved that he is with trying to certainly bring that to light. If there is any other spinoff that I think that we might we might get, I'm hoping that it is in fact the Jon Snow stuff, um, who's also working very close with George R. R. Martin to try and bring that to light here. So I honestly expect outside of this Dunkin' Egg adaption, I highly do expect uh, us to at least get one or two more prequels here within the next uh year or two so game of thrones spinoff baby a knight of the seven kingdoms a hedge knight being written by george rr R. martin we've got ourselves another game of throws project um so what that's like just the third announcement from the new max series um what's the next one here before i get to the next you know what i'm just i'm gonna roll with this and then i'll get into your guys's uh topic your get your guys's um co uh comments um let me see here what was the next announcement oh let me see can i find this one real quick for you guys because i thought this was pretty interesting uh also coming to us from the hollywood reporter the other brand new program that max did go ahead and um talk about they officially announced a conjuring 
television series. That's right, a Conjuring TV series currently in the works over at uh, Max as well. Now, look, you guys have known when it comes to the Conjuring uh, movies, I-, I was a really big fan of the first one. The second one was pretty good. Also, really helped create some uh, great spinoffs, uh, uh, whether that be like The Nun, um, was a La La Irona. I can't I can't roll my R's. I'm so sorry. Um, and what was the other one uh, with the doll? I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank right now off the top of my head. So the Conjuring has gave us some great content to certainly enjoy. I didn't really care too much about the third one. Um, you know, it was just okay to me. Um, so I have been a little bit hesitant to kind of see where they take the Conjuring. In the fourth film, but it seems as though when it comes to Warner Brothers Discovery, they want to go ahead and try and dive into a television series. So we got a series in development over at Max. Um, it says uh, is developing a TV series based on the horror franchise, which encompasses eight movies so far. Um, and again, they're talking about the spinoffs as well. Um, it says the film series producer Peter Safran. Uh, will executive produce James Gunn, who directed James Wan, excuse me, James Wan, who directed the first two Conjuring films, um, is also in talks to serve as an executive producer, but no writer is attached as of yet. Uh, no writer, no plot details are available at this moment. Max says only that the TV project will continue the story established in the feature films. Um, so yeah, that's all we got right now. Um, so look, I, I, I am curious, you know, whether or not Ed and Lorraine Warren come back for me, it'll be interesting to see like if they do do a television series, does that mean somebody like a Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, will they continue their, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren role in this particular television series? You know, is this series just going to completely, um follow a, another group of people annabelle 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 excuse me that was the name of the other um the other um spin-off series from the conjuring universe so yeah they got the annabelle trilogy the nun the curse of la lirona um so yeah they got a bunch of movies within this particular franchise so look i, I will say this you know i don't know how many um warren tales that they certainly have in order to go ahead and adapt to movies and things like that or for television series. But considering my my enjoyment of the franchise for the most part, um, look, give me some horror supernatural element any day in the form of a television series, and I'm usually there. I'm usually there. So I will be fascinated to see where they get some of their content for this um, series, but still very much in early development. Shout out to Frankie, man. What's up, Frankie, for uh, coming through um, to go ahead and uh, support the channel in that way, man. Definitely get an opportunity to uh, see what you got to talk about first here. It says, and think in terms of books or on-screen adaptions, Harry Potter has a near-perfect course compared to the other unpopular library series. Not perfect, but still better than most. Um, yeah, no, I, I will agree. I think in regards to what they were able to do as far as adapting the books, I thought they did a remarkable job. Um, but again, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people who probably um, – Plenty of people who probably watched the movie and were kind of disappointed that it didn't hit all the notes that they certainly would have liked. Um, Blossom with the super chat, too. Thank you so much, uh, especially for that super sticker. Um, he says, I'm late, aren't I? No, you're perfectly always on time, Blossom. So thank you guys so much for your um, for your donations and helping out and supporting the channel in that way. Uh, what other announcements did they have from there? 
Uh, there were a couple other ones I'll let you guys check out. Oh, uh, we did get first looks. Uh, the first looks that we did get the opportunity to check out that I want to talk about. Um, there is a new true detective series coming out. Um, can I pull this up here? Hold on a second. Let me see. Do I have the trailer for that? I don't necessarily know if I have the trailer for it, but I'm going to, oh, here we go. I'm going to pull this up on my Facebook page. Um, may not be able to see it fully, but it is playing kind of in the background a little bit. Um, true detective season four, um, is happening. Jodie Foster, if I'm not mistaken, um, is in fact the, um, uh, is in fact the lead here. I love Jodie Foster. I think she's absolutely incredible as an actress. Uh, and the fact that this is going to be taking place in Alaska during the time period when the sun is like set for for like days on end sort of thing. Um, I love this idea. I mean, you want to talk about establishing a tone and a vibe for True Detective. It's like it's perfect. If you ask me, it's, it's very much perfect. Um, and I've been a big fan of the first season. I was a big fan of the third season with Mahershala Ali uh, and now having Jodie Foster in here, who is more than a formidable actress in her own right to go ahead and um, have an Alaskan murder uh, mystery. Yes, please count me in on that. So um, uh, I'm not exactly sure when it launches. But um, they did give us um, an HBO original limited series, True Detective, titled Night Country. You got uh, Jodie Foster along with Kali Rice, um, Ka uh, Carly Rice, uh, who will, in fact, be um, be in this particular season. So, um, yeah, there you go. Looking forward to it, man. True Detective. I've, uh, I've been waiting for it. Um, outside of that, our last announcement that they gave to us. Uh, or at least first look, I should say, comes to us from The Penguin. Um, now, look, I have been really looking forward to The Penguin. Um, Colin Farrell, I thought, did a remarkable job in the Batman movie as The Penguin. Uh, but this is really our first time getting the opportunity to see footage from it. Um, you clearly get the opportunity to see like the aftermath of what um, has happened to Gotham. Uh, and it's got a great narration also from uh, Colin Farrell as The Penguin, as he's really trying to become the new king of Gotham. Um, now that the mob boss that was killed at the end of The Batman is, in fact, gone, you do have yourself a power struggle that's definitely happening now in Gotham. And I mean, you want to talk about dark, gritty sort of mobster series. Uh, I, I get all the vibes uh, from that in here also. I don't think they're going to be pulling any punches whatsoever. This feels very like Sopranos to me in the Batman world. Uh, and when you put those two together, I think I think you got magic and certainly something special on your hands. The, the, the makeup job that happens for um Colin Farrell in here I think is incredible um I, I can I can start seeing him a little bit like in a shot like this I can kind of see his face a little bit um underneath all of that makeup but I do think that he uh is perfect for this role he even got the little penguin waddle going after what happened to him in the Batman movie so definitely carrying those um those connective threads over from the movies to television series and this is coming from Matt Reeves himself. Uh, and I also love this shot towards the end of the trailer of the penguin literally like just gunning somebody down in cold blood. 
and then laughing about it in just a really creepy way. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of see what Colin Farrell certainly brings to this role. Um, I'm already predicting an Emmy nomination in some capacity for this particular series. Um, so yeah, man, um, bring it on. Um, it is odd to see the Max logo there, but I am glad that they at least kept the HBO circle, um, like the the font, if you will, for the O and kind of like placed it within the A. So uh, unless it's always been like that, I don't think it was always like that, but um, I, you know, it's kind of cool. But I will say this, man, if there is something that just kind of scratches my head, going back to the idea of this HBO Max um, presentation, you know, the only thing that really confuses me here and makes me wonder is why they didn't keep the HBO name to some capacity. Um, you know, HBO has just been known for just incredible content for so many years. I mean, you want to talk about a name that literally holds recognition, um, that it's like, oh my God, an HBO original series, you know, that the quality, uh, and attention to detail is going to be there, right? I mean, HBO for years has had just a lineup of just so many incredible shows. I remember growing up as a kid, one of the shows I probably shouldn't have watched, but I did watch back in the day was, um, what was it? Uh, Oz, I believe it was like uh, Oz. I think it was like the, uh, a prison prison series. Um, I, I loved it growing up and I probably shouldn't have been watching it at the time. Uh, Chernobyl. I was a big fan of Chernobyl. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Sex in the City, I think was HBO. Um, it's just HBO just has a powerful name to it. And to be able to just completely eliminate that stuff um, and just calling it Max, you know, I I think it's going to have some people asking some questions uh, or wondering where um, where their HBO stuff is. I mean, when I think of Max, I, I for some reason, the first thing that comes to my mind is Cinemax. And I'm, I'm like, okay, there's a reason probably why Cinemax certainly is not around. But um, it, it just makes me feel like HBO's title is such a, a heavyweight in the world right now when it comes to creating remarkable um, uh, products and content um, that to strip that away uh, feels like you're really just losing the the history, if you will, along with the accolades that come with the HBO moniker. Um, so it feels a little bit weird to me. A little bit weird to me. It's definitely going to take me some use getting used to. I thought HBO Max was a was a great name, uh, or at least it certainly grew on me. So I kind of wish that they would have just kept it that way. Um, but to each their own to each their own. But uh, let me know your guys' thoughts. How do you guys feel about the changes that are happening here for the streaming service? Again, the article does mention, and I will go ahead and let me uh, enlarge this for you guys. So it does mention um, May 23rd, it goes live. So it will be going from HBO Max to just titled Max, uh, beginning May 23rd, along with the new um, tiers for payment. So uh, definitely go ahead and check that out whenever you get a chance. Let me jump over to some of your comments. Let me see what some of you guys are saying today. Because uh, we did get somebody else in the chat with us that I wanted to highlight. Uh, he's got a, a few things in here, so I'll try and bring them all up real quick. Uh, we got the Geek Ledger. What's up, Geek? Certainly good to see you. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure it'll be faithful to the books. JK is involved. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I, I'm in agreement with you, too. I think it's be very faithful to the books. I'm hyped for this because I love the movies, but they were not good adaptions after the second movie. They felt um, companion pieces to the books. Interesting. So, see, see I, and that's what I mentioned. Like, while for me, I'm a big fan of the, the, the movies, they definitely fill that appetite for me in that void of the books. But again, and one of the things I always said is that I'm sure people that did read the books one of their complaints was they probably wanted it to be more true to the books uh, than what they did. So you definitely fit that uh, category, Geek. So this definitely looks like it's something that's made specifically for you. Uh, also, David Zaslav has clarified that the decade quote includes pre-production and production time. There will be one season per book, seven books total. Okay, thank you for clarifying that for me. Because I was like, man, how are they going to do like um, Deathly Hollows? You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see how they how they pull that off. But thank you for clarifying that. Um, he also stated that since the streaming rights to Harry Potter IP are in limbo because NBC Universal and Warner Bros. Discoveries will not air until uh, it will not air until 2026. Uh, well, that's a, I think that's a perfect amount of time uh, for them to really get all their ducks in the row. Uh, let's see here. What else are you guys saying in here? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Geek Ledger, he says, I hope it's high budget anthology series. Call it The Conjurines. Have each episode be separate story involving a new haunting, and each episode is booked by the bookend by the movie. Couple uh, taking an artifact. Ooh, I kind of dig that. I kind of dig that, Geek, Geek Ledger. I, I kind of dig that. <laughs> Blossom says uh, power struggles. Holy macaroni. Are all the Batman villains mentally disturbed? Yes. A lot of them probably come out of uh, Arkham Asylum. So, yes. <laughs> Good old Gotham. When you want to live there? Uh, Geek Ledger. Hot take. The Max rebranding was severely needed because not everything the streaming services will put out would be will be HBO quality. Uh, they don't want to dilute the brand. Also, not every uh, parent wants to subscribe to a service with HBO in the name. It'll definitely open up to families, more conservative people to sign up. Uh, I mean, I guess in that regards. I mean, I always already felt like there was just already way too many HBO things out there. Um, so the idea of just keeping HBO Max as HBO Max, I think, would have been fine for me. Um, but you're right. There are a lot of HBO's stuff that's already kind of um, out there. Um, so that might be some of their uh, thinking also. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it turns out, man. We'll see how it turns out. I, I really appreciate my HBO Max. I think they have some really great content on there. So it's definitely one of those things that I've enjoyed um, checking out for sure. Um, but we'll see how um, Max goes. Again, um, It'll be here May 23rd. I'm trying to see if there's any other details. What else we got going here this week that I found pretty interesting? Oh, uh, let's get into some Marvel talk here real quick uh, because we did get ourselves a brand new casting announcement. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Blade movie um, is either currently in development or it's right around the corner. Um, but uh, Mia Goth, Mia Goth, uh, the name might some sound familiar to some of you if you enjoy yourself a good horror film uh there have been uh, two horror movies as of late one called x and then uh, another film uh it's prequel called pearl 
that is in fact starring Mia Goth. Uh, she's kind of taking the horror world by storm, if you will. Um, and so the idea of attaching her to Blade feels very much right up her alley, if you ask me. Um, so let's get into this article. This is from Deadline. Mia Goth jo joins Mahershala Ali in a Marvel picture. It says, after spending the past year terrifying audiences and wowing critics, uh, Pearl and X star Mia Goth looks ready to take her talents to the MCU. As sources tell Deadline, she is set to join Mahershala Ali in Marvel's uh, oops, uh, in Marvel Studios Blade. Um, Jan Demange is set to direct the pick with Michael Starbury on board to write the script. Um, it says Marvel could not be reached for comment. Plot details are unknown at this time, as well as who Goth could be playing. Plans for a new incarnation of the Blade character um, was revealed during that. Okay, yada, yada, yada. I'm trying to see if they're going to talk a little bit about Goth here. Um, uh, Goth is coming off a stellar year um, that started with A24's horror pick X with the sequel Pearl premiering a few months later. Goth stars in both, but is front and center in Pearl, where she gave a stellar performance that award pundits uh, began discussing a potential Best Actress candidate. Oh, that's interesting. I, I did see X. I have not had the opportunity to see Pearl yet, but it is on my list for sure. Um, people are suggesting that she might be playing Lilith Lilith um, in this um, movie. Uh, Lilith in the comic books, I believe, is the daughter of... Um, Dracula, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see if I right. Marvel, Marvel Comics Lilith. Yeah, I believe in the comic she is the daughter of Dracula. Um, so you know whether or not they stay true to that in the um in the movie itself, we'll definitely see. But uh, I think she can easily pull off that role if she certainly wanted to. So um, shout out to Mia Gothman uh, for landing that role here. Um, what else do we have here? Um. Oh, this one might be fun for you guys. If you're, we'll stick with the MCU stuff real quick. Um, <clears throat> Deadpool two, excuse me, Deadpool three is back in the news. Uh, we got more casting announcements. Uh, Marina Bakarin and Stefan Kapisic, uh, Kap Kapikic. To, I can't pronounce his name. Sorry. To return for Deadpool three is Vanessa and Colossus. Uh, I was wondering if um, Vanessa was going to come back or not. Um, Ryan Reynolds is looking to get uh, the gang back together for Marvel's new Deadpool sequel as Marina, Marina Baccarin and Stephen, yep, are set to reprise their roles as Vanessa and uh, Colossus. Um, they join Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, and the newest additions, Emma Corrin and Matthew McFadden. Uh, we got Sean Levy set to go ahead and direct. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of glad that they're going to be back. Um, especially Colossus, you know, I'm, this is also coming from a guy though, that unfortunately did not watch, um, Deadpool two. And so, um, you know, I don't even know what happened to, uh, Vanessa and Colossus by the end of that movie. So, um, you know, Hey, I'm glad that they're uh, coming back. It would probably feel weird if they were not in this movie, to be honest with you. Uh, we got any other newsworthy topics to discuss let's see what else we got what happened here this week oh here we go um more casting for lilo and stitch disney's live action lilo and stitch finds its nani lilo's sister 
Uh, looks like um, newcomer Maya Kialoha is playing Lilo, while Zach Galifianakis also joined the cast back in February. But this right here, this is Sydney Agudan. Sydney Agudang, who will be playing Nani in Lilo and Stitch. Um, it does say that Disney declined to comment. Um, yeah, looks like they're going to be releasing this on Disney Plus, which is still a, a head scratcher to me. Um, it says uh, Nat Stitch naturally will be a CGI confection. Um, that's interesting. I was kind of hoping it would be maybe a mixture of CGI and practical. Maybe they'll make some practical stitches though. Uh, but yeah, it is intended to be a major release on Disney plus the Hawaii centric story tells uh, of the bond formed between a lonely human girl named Lilo and the dog like alien named stitch who was genetically engineered to be a force of destruction. Um, so yeah, they're definitely putting that together. Uh, Agudang's previous credits include NCIS in Famously in Love, On My Block, and the feature film West Michigan. She just wrapped her latest project as the lead role in an independent feature, At Your Feet. She was born and raised on the island of uh, Kaua. Ka Ka I'm, nope, I'm not even going to try it. Uh, in Hawaii. Her younger sister um, is known for her roles in Nickelodeon series Star Falls and films Alex and Me and the Disney Channel's original movie Upside Down Magic, as well as Netflix adaption of Resident Evil. So Agudan's sister, Sienna Agudan, uh, has been in other stuff also. So yeah, looks like she, um, she got the role. Uh, this was always a great um, movie for me. Uh, I always really enjoyed Lilo and Stitch, so the idea of that coming to uh, coming to life sounds like it's um, pretty fun. Um, the Geek Lander says, did y'all talk about the new Big Bang Theory spinoff that's coming to Max? It's supposed to be either another show about one of the TBBT characters growing up or a sequel following one of the couples. Um, I briefly commented on it, but I didn't know too many details in regards to it, Geek Ledger, so I didn't um, didn't discuss it as much as um, we probably could have. <laughs> what else we got? What else we got? All right, I think I got maybe one more article for you guys. You know what? Let's uh, let's just do two more real quick. Variety. Um, this comes to us from Variety. Um, I wanted to highlight Super Mario for you guys. I still have not had the opportunity to check out the movies um, in a couple of months to go ahead and check this out. But Super Mario Brothers apparently has passed $500 million globally, becomes the biggest video game adaption ever, ever. Um, Incredible news, man. Um, you know, I definitely felt the positive momentum for Super Mario Brothers continuing to grow after every trailer and after every clip that we wind up seeing. You know, outside of the initial outrage of Chris Pratt voicing Super Mario, I felt like once that noise started subsiding and people actually wind up getting their look at the series or at the movie itself in longer length trailers, people definitely started to become a little bit more on board with it. But this movie is racking up money at the box office, guys. Um, so it passed $500, $500 million globally. This movie might end up becoming a, a billion dollars. <laughs> and that's crazy to say, but this movie may end up reaching a billion dollars the, the rate that it's at. Says the video game 
Adaption has crossed $500 million mark at the global box office, shattering records with the gusto that its title character usually amasses via power-ups. <laughs> Uh, that's a cool sentence. To date, the animated adventure has earned $260 million domestically and $248 million internationally. That's a great balance. Uh, that lifts its worldwide haul to five five oh eight. It is now the second, it is now the highest grossing film of 2023 at both the global and domestic box office, surpassing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. More importantly, it makes Super Mario Brothers movie the biggest video game adaption in history, topping the grosses of both Warcraft and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. And it's only been what in theaters like two weeks, literally like two weeks. Um, pretty spectacular stuff. If you ask me, man, um, and it says another notable milestone is the film is now the second biggest animated film since 2019 in worldwide box office terms, coming in ahead of Demon Slayer uh, and behind Minions, the rise of Gru at $942 million. But um, it says stay tuned for the inevitable announcement of a sequel or a spinoff. Yeah, I can definitely they, 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 let the Super Mario universe begin shall we uh and that's all that they needed um this movie is making buku money um it would not surprise me I, look i i hope that they keep this movie in theaters allow this movie to continue to milk it for all it's worth um and if this movie passes 900 million dollars and even the was it the pikachu movie that they talked about man that would be something incredible so i'm pushing for a billion dollars for this movie man i truly am i haven't had the opportunity to check it out i don't know how people are receiving this movie uh if you guys have had the opportunity to check out super mario let me know your thoughts in the comment section box below but i am kind of curious how people are receiving this movie i don't think it's rotten anywhere but maybe i'm mistaken let me see if i can go ahead and pull this up here real quick um super mario let's go to rotten tomatoes and see how um how it's being graded so far because i really don't know how people are receiving the super mario movie it looks hella fun to me but i'm wondering if that's all that it is like is it just fun and uh no story uh or is there something actually there like for me uh okay here we go super mario Oh, give me a second, guys. I think my my computer just freeze on me, bro. Okay, here we go. Oh, it is rotten. <laughs> okay. Um. So, well, according to critics, critics have Super Mario Brothers right now at fifty eight percent. Um. Whereas audiences have it like a ninety six. Um. So people are loving it. Here's the. Um, they have a critics consensus. While it's nowhere near as thrilling as Turtle tipping your way to 128 lives, Super Mario Brothers is a colorful, albeit thinly plotted, animated adventure that has about as many Nintendos as Nintendo as Nintendo's. What the fuck? Who wrote this critics consensus? This is this is terrible. Um, so yeah, they've got it at 58 percent. While as the uh, audience has it as 96, and that's after 10,000 plus um, ratings or reviews, man. So, um, yeah, I guess um, I guess if you're uh, an audience member, you're going to love this movie. <laughs> um, so we'll see, man. Let me know if you guys uh, enjoyed it or not. I haven't had the opportunity to check it out, but passing $500 million globally is no easy task. Congratulations to um, 
to Mario for accomplishing that feat. Um, I also found this story pretty interesting uh, that I wanted to bring up too. Because you guys know we currently do review Gotham on the channel here. But this surprised me reading this article this week. This is from Comic Book Resources. Um, Gotham Knights is a major HBO Max success. Um, let me give my thoughts before I even read this. Uh, I have become a fan of um, of Gotham Knights. Um, it may not necessarily be everybody's cup of tea, but I went into the series with really low expectations. Um, and what I found was a great mystery, some really strong characters, some pretty, pretty, uh, pretty talented actors also. Uh, and they've done a pretty good job of building each episode so far, each season to further pushing forward the plot and the details this past week. I think Misha Collins as Harvey Dent had one of his best, um, moments yet. If you ask me out of this particular series, I've been waiting to really get something from him. But now that you're starting to see Harvey Dent questioning his own psyche, now things are getting juicy and even more interesting. He was like the missing piece to this Gotham Knights um, series. I, I was really enjoying um, the Court of Owls stuff, um, the character stuff. You know, th the first episode, I feel like I had to push my expectations to the side and be a little bit open-minded, if you will. Be very um, um, very fair if I, as much as I possibly could. So I definitely had my issues with certain aspects of um, some of the characters in the first episode, but... A lot of those have significantly changed, and I've become kind of fans of some of these characters even more than I certainly was before. But I really appreciate the pacing, and it is one of those things, too, where it's like even though we don't necessarily have a lot of costumed vigilantes in it, it definitely is focusing much more on the mystery, sort of what like Naomi kind of did. But what I feel like the difference is, is that they're actually pushing the plot and the mystery forward and giving us reveals and giving us information, if you will, um, each and every episode. You know what I mean? Whereas Naomi just felt like a drag, like I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. Um, but I think the pacing for this has been done really well and very smart um, to keep people in tuned, especially with the lack of costumed vigilantes. Uh, and I think they make up for that with not only the talent from the Court of Owls, but also a little bit of Carrie Kelly as Robin, as we, as we do get the opportunity to see. And I think the fact that Turner Hayes is now getting more comfortable and very much channeling his inner Bruce Wayne, if you will, I think adds an interesting dynamic to the series also. So um, I, it doesn't surprise it doesn't surprise me that it's become a major HBO Max success. But at the same time, it kind of does. I think like word of mouth is probably really helping this show out so far. And people these days, I don't think are necessarily watching it live as it is. Um, I think it takes them maybe a couple days to finally get a chance to check it out, but they're checking it out for sure. Um, they may not be watching it on the CW, but they're watching it somewhere. Uh, and I think that I think that means something. And there's a part of me that's kind of hoping that because of the success, that by the time we get to something like a season two, if we get a season two, that maybe they will move it over from something like a CW to a HBO Max if they feel um, it's 
been relatively successful or somewhat of a hit for them. But maybe the article will explain a little bit more. So I, I do want to dive into the article just a little bit more here and say, it says, while many fans may not have been initially sold on the idea of Gotham Knights, the, sh- the show has seemingly found its audience via streaming. According to Flix Patrol, the CW's latest superhero drama is comfortably sitting at HBO Max's third most popular series, beating out only by HBO's Succession and Last of Us. That's crazy to me. Like, that's crazy to me. This place also makes it one of four shows in the top 10 that aren't HBO or HBO Max originals. Um, Gotham Knight's popularity surged um, uh, comes amid the CW's downsizing, leading many fans of the studio to question the future of its stories. And that's that's really the question that I have is, are we going to get ourselves a season two? Uh, we'll see how season one ends. But, you know, I guess <laughs> I will say this, too. There's a part of me that before this season dropped, I thought this was going to be a Swamp Thing situation where it's like, hey, we released episode one of Swamp Thing. And then the next day, Swamp Thing's been canceled. Like, what? Like, what? Um, so I honestly thought, like, after the first two or three episodes, you know, I thought we might have gotten an, we would have gotten an announcement from Warner Brothers or CW for a cancellation of this series, but it hasn't happened yet. And so one, I wonder, did they learn from their mistake of Swamp Thing and allowing this to kind of play itself out and see how people feel about the season before making an announcement and wait for that cancellation to come at the end? Or are they really seeing that, hey, maybe it's not necessarily doing as well as we would like for it to do on the CW, but look what it's doing on HBO Max. The only shows it's not beating out are Succession and the Last of Us, that's a pretty good competition if you ask me to have alongside a name like Gotham Knights. While Gotham Knights has found its fans, the show's initial announcements and reveal left many enthusiasts wanting. Um, I would totally agree. I, I None of the trailers did anything for me. Um, set after the death of Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, the narrative follows his adoptive son, uh, Turner Hayes, who has been framed for the Cape Crusaders murder. Uh, the first trailer left many angry and frustrated as viewers criticized the quality, claiming the production value was evidence of the CW's cost-cutting measures. Despite this perception, early reviews were more mixed uh, than many expected as critics praised um, um Gotham Knights diverse cast of characters and compelling mystery running throughout the narrative. That's that's exactly how I feel. And then they talk a little bit about uh, Misha Collins as one of its biggest selling points. And for me, again, episode four or five really just um, added um, added more to it. Um, so definitely giving me an opportunity to see what they have in store. Um, it says, while Collins is currently the only Supernatural alum to star in Gotham Knights, that wasn't always the case. The actor noted that Jensen Ackles almost featured as Bruce Wayne, but the appearance ultimately never came to fruition due to clashing schedules. I don't know if I'm supposed to reveal this, but we tried to work it out to have Jensen play Batman on the show, which I think, look, I think would have been freaking awesome because Jen. Jensen Ackles has been asking forever to try and be Bruce Wayne or Batman at some point in time. And unfortunately, that just was not able to happen. So, um, yeah, man, um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Gotham Knights. I can't lie. I don't think it it hasn't blown me away. But I think going into it with such low levels of expectation, one allowed me to be a little bit more fair minded in regards to how I viewed this season. And then after the first episode or two, I'm like, 
they really have something here. <laughs> like they really do have something pretty enjoyable that I find myself wanting to come back each and every week and see how this uh, mystery and the story continues to unfold. And as it continues to unfold, just continue to build great character chemistry. And hopefully we do get some costume vigilantes in some form or another by the end of this season. But um, Gotham Knights is finding this success somewhere, guys. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Uh, it's um, it's uh, it's it's growing on me. It's definitely growing on me. Uh, and then last but not least, I'll end off with this last topic for you guys. And that is, in fact, the Acolyte um, for my Star Wars fans. Because, you know, we got to get in our Star Wars bag in some capacity or another. And then I'll get into your guys' comments and live viewer questions. Um, but let's get into our Star Wars bag real quick as the Acolyte is in the news. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we just had ourselves a massive Star Wars celebration. Uh, three to four days of uh, goodness for us uh, Star Wars fans, if you ask me. If you missed it, we did do a day one and day two recap of Star Wars Celebration. Um, we do have two videos up on our YouTube channel. If you want to go ahead and uh, hear my thoughts uh, on all the announcements that we wind up getting, definitely go ahead and check it out. But one of the um, panels um, uh, that was highly talked about was the Acolyte, as it's still very much a mystery for a lot of us. Uh, but this past week, we wind up getting further details. Uh, and some of the cast, along with the showrunner, Leslie Headland herself, are coming out and doing some interviews and giving us a little bit uh, further details in regards to this particular series. So let's go ahead and uh, dive in here just a little bit. So this comes to us from the Acolyte, excuse me, from, the Col from Collider. It says, the Acolyte won't be... To, won't be kind to the Jedi, says series showrunner. Um, so, yeah, it says the Acolyte won't be kind to the Jedi, says the series showrunner. And I do want to preface this by saying this real quick, okay? I don't, I don't necessarily know if I appreciate the way that the author, the author of this um, article, Diego Peralta, put this. Um, some of his own commentary feels like it's trying to stir up something that isn't maybe quite there yet or kind of stir up a particular demographic of the fandom um, that I don't necessarily think what Leslie Headland is saying is what she's meaning to purposefully do more than what I think the article is trying to purposefully do. And I'll, I'll explain that to you here. So let's let's dive into this, okay? And this is Leslie Headland for those of you who don't know the showrunner for the show. So it says, while plot details for the upcoming Star Wars television series, The Acolyte, are still being kept in the back to tank, the themes behind the show have recently been discussed at Celebration. In an interview, um, Steve Weintraub, the Collider's editor-in-chief, spoke with Hesley, uh, Leslie Hedlund about how the series set during the High Republic era compares to Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. While the two stories take place in different centuries, they might have more in common than expected, sharing a mutual questioning of the way that the Jedi operate. Here's what Hedlund had to say when it comes to the treatment of the Jedi in The Acolyte. She says, uh, I, think it's, I think it's difficult to show, uh, oh, I think it's difficult to do a show that is critical in any way of the Jedi. And I think you saw that with Ryan Johnson's film. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that especially in that moment, people were very nervous about saying this particular institution may not be the light and perfect 
stunning group of heroes that are totally nobly intentioned. And one thing that I think Dave would say, I'm assuming she's talking about Dave Filoni, would say is that they are fallible. That's really the story that George told with the prequels, right? The fall of this particular group. And so the article says, you know, during Johnson's 2017 blockbuster, the ways of the Jedi were questioned. While Luke Skywalker argued that they caused their own downfall when they were blinded by their pride, the idea was also explored throughout the prequel trilogy of the films, uh, where the corruption of the Jedi Order didn't help when Anakin Skywalker was tempted by the dark side. If the Jedi had been keepers of the peace they claimed to be, they would have treated the troubled young man differently, and they would have noticed the powerful Sith Lord that had pretty much working uh, had, that had had them pretty much working for him. While the thought process behind Luke's disappointment with the Jedi came before him served as a deep exploration of the character, it caused plenty of backlash online after the release of the movie, since that was the only way of the many divisive topics within Johnson's um, middle chapter. Um, it also says here, but Kathleen Kennedy isn't afraid of any potential outrage consider concerning the plot of the Acolyte. During the interview, Hedlund also talked about the process of informing the executive about the themes behind this series would be explaining to her why the story, uh, why a story where the Jedi are not presented in a flattering light was necessary for the character's journey. But here's the showrunner. Here's what the showrunner had to say when speaking about the studio's president's reaction to the pitch and any potential internet backlash. She says, but I think when you but i think when you think you're going to tell a story about the bad guys and the jedis might be the antagonist to those jedis i think that makes people nervous but it didn't make kathy nervous and i will say that in that room when i pitched her it was probably one of the most exciting things because i it felt like a conversation and less like i was up for a job it was much more like okay but what are you going to do about this and what are you going to do about that and so I was able to fold in what I knew about Star Wars and what I love about Star Wars into what she's always pushing for, which is what's the emotional through line. Um, and so I think that's important. Um, look, I will say this when it comes to the Acolyte. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this. And I don't necessarily know if the online backlash came so much from... The idea of, I mean, and maybe it did, the idea of the Jedi being perceived and showcased in one way, so much as I think people felt a type of way about having a character that they know and love, like Luke Skywalker for their entirety of their life, being portrayed in the way that they themselves didn't expect and probably would not have portrayed him. So I think that's where the internet backlash comes from in regards to how luke was showcased not so much the jedi order though because i do feel like well again this is just me as a star wars fan i think that we have come to learn and sort of accept the fallibility of the jedi i think that's what makes their story so much more fascinating and i think it's one of the reasons why people felt very divisive about the last jedi some people just clear out clearly hating it 
that it's one of those things where I think people will come around to it. Very much like the prequel trilogy, Time Heals All Wounds. I do think that people will eventually go back and see the Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi and think to themselves, that's a pretty damn good movie. Uh, not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination because I did not like the Rose or the Finn storyline whatsoever. But when it comes to the Jedi and the Sith and what they established, I thought Ryan Johnson did a remarkable job of um, of making those connections to the prequels uh, and just letting us know, hey, these Jedi are not perfect and they probably caused sort of their own downfall. And so for me as a Star Wars fan, especially somebody that's in their officially in their 40s now, you know, I don't mind seeing that other side of the coin, um, the the fallibility of the Jedi, the Jedi sort of as the antagonist, um, because there's always two sides to every story. Am I right? Um, and so the idea of being able to see how somebody maybe views the Jedi and utilizes their views and their perception to then turn to the dark side, I think is pretty important. Uh, and I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, it, for some reason it just immediately brings up the, um, the, the battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin on Mustafar, where they're literally like in the river of lava and they're on their mechanic, they're on their little robots and stuff. And they're talking to each other. And it's like, you know, you know, uh, trying to explain to each other their points of view about why the Jedi are good or why the Jedi are evil. And Obi-Wan's like, well, you are lost, right? Like it's the, Anakin's perception of the Jedi very much feels like what this main character for the Acolyte is probably going to go through also. And the sense of seeing that other side of the Jedi and Leslie Headland has the, the, the job now of portraying the Jedi certainly in that light. So I don't, I don't think that's what people will push back against. I think people pushed back against The Last Jedi because they were like, what the f did you do to Luke Skywalker? And while I think Ryan Johnson did the most perfect thing he could have done with Luke Skywalker, I truly have no problem with it. Um, I thought it was bold. I thought it was unique. I thought it was daring. Uh, and I thought it really challenged the viewer um, to kind of look do things through a, different, uh, through a different lens for sure. Um, and it, it, for me, it just backs up who Luke Skywalker has been his whole entire life. And so I, I had no problem with what Ryan Johnson did. So I think people had an issue with that, not so much his perception of what the Jedi have sort of become. Um, and so I think I think Leslie Headland is onto something, but I don't think she should be as nervous as I think. I think I think this show will get more shit from. Um, <laughs> cry baby misogynistic men than it will true Star Wars fans. And look, you may not like the show, and that's certainly more than fine. And just because you don't like the show doesn't mean you're misogynistic or anything like that, right? It doesn't mean you hate women. Uh, I'm not saying that. But let's be honest and real with ourselves, okay? There is maybe like a quarter percentage of the fandom that's super loud that will shit on this particular show regardless, um, but I don't think it's the reason why Leslie Headland fears that it certainly might be. Uh, and I think um, uh, I am curious to see what her storyline is going to certainly look like, um, because honestly, the more I see of it, the more I hear of it, the more details that come out, I continue to get more and more sold, man. So I, I'm ready to go on this journey that is, in fact, her um, 
um, this uh, new acolyte or this new Padawan that we have. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it is who we're going to talk about next here. Uh, this was the Logan star, um, Daphne Keen, um, from comic book resources. They did an interview. It says Logan, Logan star trades claws for lightsabers in the star Wars, the acolyte. Um, so that's Daphne Keen right there. I thought she was great in, uh, Logan. You can also check her out in dark, his dark materials, I think over on HBO max, but she also, um, did an interview with screen rant and she revealed, she says, I can't say much. I can say that my character is an alien. She's pretty badass. She gets to play a bit with lightsabers, which was fun. She says it's just an honor to be a Jedi. Um, the actor did not reveal her character's name or provide any hints as to who her character's storyline or arc is going to be. Um, oh, yeah, they did an actual interview with her. Um, she did state earlier a couple months ago. Uh, it's kind of an explanation of how a, how the Sith infiltrated the Jedi. It's a Sith it's a Sith led story, which has never been done before. It's been really fun. The film, the cast is amazing, and the director and crew are just lovely. The whole experience is wonderful, and I'm really excited for people to see it. Um, and yeah, for those that did get the opportunity to see first images over at um, Star Wars Celebration definitely had a lot to be very happy about. Um, so she will be playing the Jedi, whether or not, um, and she's an alien, whether or not um, she eventually herself takes a turn, who certainly knows. Um, but I think it's the Amanda Stenberg character, who's the main character, that might be the one that's uh, going against the Jedi in here. But it'll be interesting to kind of see how um, Daphne Keene plays into all this as a um, as a Jedi. And for me, as somebody that has read the High Republic novels for Star Wars, um, I am fascinated to see what the end of that particular era of the High Republic is going to be like. Um, if uh, I'm kind of curious if they will even introduce a character, the same character that Daphne Keene certainly might be playing in those books. That I certainly don't know, but I would be kind of curious to see just what the Jedi are looking like towards the tail end of that High Republic era. Uh, and if she's one of the few that unfortunately maybe get cut down um, from whoever this uh, Sith that winds up sort of emerging. So I think this is a really cool and very pivotal time period for our Jedi. Um you know, finishing off the High Republic era, but I think maybe like they said, like a hundred years, I think before the prequel trilogy, if I'm not mistaken, the Phantom Menace. So uh, really great uh, time period to kind of explore as uh, everything really starts changing and shifting uh, and the Sith kind of eventually make their move. So yeah, man, everything that I've been uh, seeing so far, I've been really big fans of, but uh, let me know your guys' thoughts in regards to everything uh, from the Acolyte that we've talked about. Uh, let me go into these live chat real quick and see what you guys are talking about. Uh, Marcelino says, if we get a season two, then I want it connected to Superman and Lois, like the rumors say Gotham Knights and Superman. Uh, I, I hope not. I hope not. They just feel like two completely different series to me, but you never know, Marcelino. We'll see. Um, you also saying, I'm glad Gotham Knights was better than expected. But I still choose Batwoman over Gotham Knights to continue the Arrowverse. Wonder how Indy feels uh, now after watching it. Yeah, I would be kind of curious to know um, what Indy's thoughts are. I'm glad you're enjoying it, but it's still disappointing that you aren't negatively reviewing because you had Indy review a Flash and he, sh he struggled through it. Look, man, 
you asked me to review Gotham Knights, you know, because I was really down upon it. I did not care for it. And you said, Adam, I challenge you to take on this show. I took it on. And look, I can't help that the show has turned out to be better than it is. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, just get me to review a show and that show is guaranteed to be a hit. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Um, all right, guys, with that out of the way, we will wrap up with your uh, live viewer questions. Uh, for those of you who want to know, how do I submit a live viewer question? It's simple, man. All you got to do, go over to our main YouTube page, our main channel. Let me go pull this up here. Your channel. A plus here report right here for you guys. Click on this community tab button right there. And uh, usually uh, any day after Wednesday or Thursday in the week, any day after Wednesday during the week, uh, we will go ahead and post a live viewer question post just like this. Uh, and then you submit your question. Uh, we get to your questions. Um, if I don't get to everybody's question in here, you guys know what we usually like to do. We uh, will definitely go ahead and create a um, separate video for those that we are not able to get to fully today. Um, so with that said, let's, uh, let's see what you guys got for me today, man. I haven't skimmed over any of these beforehand, so I apologize. Jessica Freiman, what's up, Jessica? With Riverdale and Nancy Drew ending, could this help Superman and Lois get a new season? Or do you think Adam and Aisha's spa was the start of SPD? Huh? <laughs> Wait, what? Where did I? What? Oh, and do you think? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm sorry, Jessica. I completely butchered that question. So it's two questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you, you you just put SPA together. So I just read spa. Uh, and I was like, oh, you mean SPA. I get you. Uh, with Riverdale and Nancy Drew ending, could this help Superman and Lois get a new season? I think it's probably going to get a new season anyway. Um, James Gunn recently did come out and said it's, it's got a, maybe a couple more seasons in it. People really seem to be enjoying the show, so I think they're going to continue. Um, so I expect one to two more seasons of Superman and Lois. And um, you know, heck, maybe I should shoot James Gunn a, a inquiry on Twitter. Be like, hey, James Gunn, is Gotham Knights sticking around for more than one season? <laughs> we'll see what he what he responds because uh, it's been getting some some um, you know people have been checking it out. So whether or not it gets renewed on a second season for the CW or straight to HBO Max. Who certainly knows? But we will be getting at least another season or two of Superman and Lois. And do you think Adam and Aisha SPA was start of SPD? Um, I don't know if it's the start or if it's just like a, a parallel department within SPD. I have no idea. But maybe. Maybe they are the start of it. And they've already started communicating with everybody. And SPD is ready to launch in two years. Uh, maybe something along those lines. Um, Doomsday, you might have misinterpreted my question from the last stream, but a full behind scenes video of the final battle between Peter and Green Goblin. When I said Peter one was actually referring to Tom Holland's um, Spider-Man's nickname. Oh, in No Way Home. I'm sorry. Um, so, no, I did not see that behind the scenes. I thought you were talking about when you said Peter one, I thought you meant like the Tobey Maguire series. Um, so, no, I, I have not seen the full behind video of the final battle between Peter and the Green Goblin. Uh, this might be a little bit early for predictions, but what do you think that Michael B. Jordan will win an Oscar for Best Directing for Creed 3 in 2024? Man, oh you know, uh, there's so many more movies set to come out. 
Um, I was pretty impressed with his directing. I wouldn't mind a nomination. Um, but I got to see what the other movies are like. I was really impressed, man. Honestly, um, he had a couple of shots in there that I thought to myself, damn, that was pretty clever. That was pretty clever. There's a really cool shot too of like, um, a hallway and a locker room. And the camera is like literally angled. So you could see the inside of the locker room and the outside of the hallway. And it's Michael B. Jordan, I think. And, um, um, Jonathan Majors having a conversation in his locker room, you know, getting him hyped for his his match. And then as he leaves, he leaves the hallway, you get to see just the parallels. Michael B. Jordan's Adonis character going down the hallway, and then um Jonathan Majors in the locker room standing up from his bench, and they both stop and they both look at the wall, kind of like they're looking at each other or just contemplating and thinking. And then they both go off on their way. I thought it was a great shot. And then not even just to mention the the fight towards the end, the way that he included sort of like the anime style um, in regards to the boxing ring and the slow motion and stuff. I, he did really hella impressive work, man. Really hella impressive work. So I don't know if um if he'll win an Oscar, but I hope he's nominated at least. I think just being nominated says something. So um, we'll see. We got a, we got a lot more movies to go through in 2023, but I would not mind his uh, if he got nominated. Which Jonathan Majors role was your favorite one, Kang or Damien? Oh, Damien. Damien from Creed Three was my, by far the best. He just had he had context and substance to really sink his teeth into, and his personal relationship with Adonis just was everything. Um, yeah, he he just channeled sort of like that tragic soul, still struggling with the shit that he's been through in his life sort of thing. And I think uh, Jonathan Majors did an amazing job portraying that. Uh, AJ, what's up, AJ? Uh, this is just me, but I like the MMPR special. We'll be using a 3D model, the actual Zap toy for the classic Dino Megazord. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I prefer them being original as possible instead of borrowing from Sentai footage, like the actual Zord suit. Uh, and even old footage. I want Power Rangers to be even more original and creative in the future. And as for Robo Rita capturing past Ranger teams, I really like it. It means that she doesn't want anyone to ruin her plan, making it difficult for the MMPR team. So I like that she's capturing both of the past Rangers in the present and taking them with her to the past if that happens. So the MMPR team don't have any backup at all. Also for Zordon, they don't have to show him or recreate david felding's head just hear his voice when the team looking next to the camera zordon said in the countdown to destruction his spirit will always be there uh be where there is goodness so you can still hear uh, zordon's voice just don't show his face recreating zordon would screw up the impact of the sacrifice um it does make me wonder too because there are shots from the behind the scenes video and just some of the press release photos that you can see the cracked zordon tube in the background um, but there are also other shots where I see the team as a group kind of looking up at something in the command center. Uh, I don't know if it's like a new viewing globe or a screen that they're watching or if they're literally talking to somebody. But it just gave me Zordon vibes, just kind of seeing everybody all together looking up and talking, just reminding me of Zordon moments at the command center. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, we'll see. But I would agree with you. I dig the 3D modeling for the actual... Zord Ascension Project uh, Zords. I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to look great. I think it's going to look great. Blossom, uh, totally 
am looking forward to MMPR anniversary coming this week. What are you looking forward to for the 30th anniversary? For me, their fight with Robo Rita as well as the boys, not to mention Trini's daughter. Do you remember the Go Rangers? Uh, my friends called them Power Rangers, Alpha Nexus, and they came to be from finding the morphing grid by accident. How's that? Um, yeah, I remember the Go Rangers. Um, I like them, Power Rangers Alpha Nexus, because they were the first team of Go, like Super Sentai teams. Uh, I don't know if that's the route that you're going, but uh, that's pretty cool. I do. I, I I don't think I've ever finished the Go Rangers series. I know I was doing reactions to them. I don't think I was very far off, but um, I never got a chance to finish the series, unfortunately. Um, as far as what I'm looking forward to, look, I, for me, uh, Charlie Kirsch's Min has my attention. Um, I really want to see her story with her her mother, what that's like for her, emotional roller coaster, who her dad is, if it's Zach or somebody else, or if it's just Uncle Zach, I have no idea. Um, I'm curious to learn a lot more about Min and just to see her impact in this story. Um, and really just the Zach and Billy stuff. Um, I want I'm looking forward to all original action. You know, looks props to Catherine Sutherland and Steve Cardenas, still looking great in their age. Um but I, I'm here for the OGs, man. Not to take anything away from those two. But um, for me, Zach, Billy, and and Charlie as, as men. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm there for. Uh, uh, what's up, Adam? He says, uh, what's up, my handsome twin? Johnny Young Bosch, a.k.a. Adam, was at C2E2 this past weekend. And he did a panel where he did mention that once and always we'll have a small open-ended cliffhanger just in case Hasbro would ever like to put together a sequel. Would you like this if that were to happen? does not have to be immediately, but down the line, maybe when Hasbro reboot is already here or Hasbro needs more time, they can continue our current long-running franchise or they can continue our long-running franchise. Um, Look. I'm open to it. This is not the first time that we've heard that. Catherine Sutherland, I believe, in an interview mentioned that it is the ending does feel kind of a small, open-ended cliffhanger um, to where if they wanted to revisit, they certainly could. And look, man, I'm going to tell you, the momentum looks like it's in that that positive direction. And I don't mean positive in a sense of, oh, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be greenlit. But I mean the potential of the general audience, people that aren't Power Rangers in the Power Ranger fandom, I feel like the momentum is continuing to build uh, for, for this uh, this special. Uh, I think the Power Ranger fandom is doing most of the heavy lifting in regards to promoting and marketing it. But I do think that it's getting out there. I think that that trailer definitely grabbed a lot of traction, if I'm not mistaken, also. So I think that's a really, um, a really good sign, honestly. Uh, actually, let me see here real quick. If I do once and always trailer... I want to see if, um, <clears throat> I mean, look, three weeks ago, the Mighty Morphin trailer on Netflix has 4.8 million views. 4.8 million views, man. That's pretty good. I don't know what the likes are compared to uh, uh, 99,000 likes. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's bad for a, a 55-minute special for Power Ranger franchise that's like 30 years old. <laughs> 4.8 million viewers, I think, is a pretty good, um, pretty good, uh, pretty good numbers for the trailer alone. So I, I do think that it's carrying some positive momentum, um, and I would be open to it, man. I really would. I really would. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to what Jonathan Entwistle and this reboot certainly is going to be like. Um, but one of the things I've always said is, you know, never say never, man. Um, if this is successful, the idea of keeping it open certainly would uh, be pretty cool. 
Uh, I personally wouldn't mind seeing them come back. Now, if you start asking about like other specials and other teams, no, 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 like that's just not, I just MMPR is their bread and butter. And I think that those are the ones that they should certainly focus on. Um, and uh, so, yeah, give it give me more of it. I don't know how that would fit into Hasbro's overall plans or if they what sort of changes that they certainly might be making. Um, but we've all we've kind of talked about this before. Like, I do think that you can kind of do a reboot. Um and leave the door open um, to going back to that franchise if you certainly wanted to, making bigger connections. Because, um, like, I would love to see more of Charlie Kirsch's men if this is successful, whether she's running her own team or we get the OGs back once again um, later on down the road. So, yeah, let's um, let's uh, let's just watch the series first, continue to hype other people up about it, um, and then if if anything, then we'll see if um. Uh, we'll see if we get ourselves a second one, but I do think um, is definitely very much a possibility, Adam, for sure. Uh, Marcelino, I know you're not the biggest fan of the comedic nature of Legends of Tomorrow, but there is a part of that fan base who not only love it that way, but think that changing the tone to be more comedic is what saved the series and made it better. They may not be wrong. Uh, and that serious tone is what almost killed the show. So if you were to have a conversation with some of these fans, talk to them and ask them questions, what would you say to them? And what do you think you could get out of that conversation? I mean, look, I, I'm a pretty fair-minded guy. I'd, I'd like to think so. Uh, I certainly don't mind hearing people's arguments and reasons for things. Just because I didn't like it doesn't necessarily mean the direction that they went to was the wrong direction. You know, um, I think the proof is kind of in the pudding that this series lasted as long as it did. Um because I honestly didn't think it was going to last that long. But the fact that it did probably did put additional legs on this series to certainly continue to go out um, and um, just continue to impress fans. I mean, you know, also, uh, to be fair, you know, I do think some of these shows maybe went on a little bit longer than needed to. Um, because at the time, you know, CW was making a ton of money from Netflix, who was you know, purchasing the rights to these to go ahead and put them out on streaming. So while they may not have necessarily cared what the ratings were like for something like Legends of Tomorrow, the only reason why they didn't care is because they were making a shit ton of money from Netflix and the reruns and the people going back and actually watching the series that way. Um, but I, I can't argue with the idea that maybe changing the tone did extend legs on the series just because I didn't like it um, doesn't mean it's my way or the highway, you know, the only way the show could have been successful if it stayed serious. No, I, I'll, no, I don't, I don't definitely think that's the case. Um, cause they clearly have proven me wrong already in that sense. So look, if, if people love that comedic nature, that's awesome for them. I'm really glad that they did. Uh, it just didn't work for me. It just, it just didn't work for me. It just, it became something that I personally didn't care for. Uh, and that's just, that's just me. But, um, you know, um, I would definitely listen to them, Marcelino, in the sense of hearing some of their arguments. Uh, Abba say, what's up, Abba saying? The other day I was watching some videos on the hit comedy film 22 Jump Street, which was a sequel to 21 Jump Street. Um, two of the YouTubers mentioned how meta both Jump Street films were, especially the post credit montage sequence uh they recalled about the two 2014 sony hack revealing the interview by sony about the two films crossing off with a video black franchise 
just hearing about this leaked information was just hilarious. That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Seeing Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum team up with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones would be absolutely insane. I can already imagine Jonah Hill teaming up with Tommy Lee Jones since both of them were the serious ones while Channing and Will were the more idiotic ones. Uh, what would you think if these two franchises did a crossover together? And what other things do you remember from the infamous Sony hack? God, what else did what else did come of that Sony hack? It's been so long. I remember the 21 Jump Street and Men in Black thing. Let me see if I can. I'm going to Google that because I don't remember off the top of my head. Sony. 2014. What was revealed by the hack? Five years later. Oh, yeah, I don't remember, man. I don't remember hardly any of this stuff. Uh, 22 days of a massive data dump that exposed embarrassing executive email exchanges. Um, like one between Amy Pascal and producer Scott Rudin, in which he refers to Angelina Jolie as a minimally talented spoiled brat. Oh, shit. <laughs> God, trade secrets, including overtures from Marvel to bring Sony own Spider-Man to its universe. I think I might remember that. And five upcoming full length movies such as um, Brad Pitt's Fury, the breach, which formed national uh, dubbed the most serious cyber attack ever made against U.S. interest. Oh, wow. They. Uh... Oh, was it because of the interview with um, Jonah Hill and. Um... I mean, not Jonah Hill. Was it James Franco? Yeah, James Franco and Seth Rogen. Yeah, man, I don't. Remember, I don't remember too much of it. I do feel like I remember some of the drama from um, Spider Man, but that might have been the extent of it. So I do apologize. As far as the crossover, I thought the sound of the crossover was ridiculous. Um, I, I uh. I don't know if I would ever want to see that movie, though. Um, it's been a minute since I checked out 21 and 22 Jump Street. I I, I don't think I barely watched them, though. I, I just felt like they were probably just a little bit um, too ridiculous for me at the time. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. But um, so, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to see it. <laughs> I really, I don't need to see Jump Street and Men in Black together. Let's see here. What else we got? Uh, how long have we been going? 2.23? Okay. Uh, what else we got? Here we go. Um, Nicole Robinson, what do you think of Aquaman 2 having its release date? And do you think it's, it wasn't well received? From their early test screenings, or is it ready to come out officially? Uh, what do you think of Aquaman 2 having its release date? Yeah, is that when is Aquaman 2? I think it's like Christmas time, right? Add the finish here. Um Let's so let me let me let me read this real quick. As far as 
screen testings go for Aquaman? Um, it's that according to reports, it has not been well received. Um, again, these are just rumors. Multiple reports say the new test screenings are performing terribly. Um, it says uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom faces scrutiny after reports of poor performing test screenings emerge. While fans have been quiet for a while, uh, multiple reports now confirm poor performing test screenings. Um, big screen leaks and film critic Jeff Snyder backed up an initial report from viewer Annan suggesting Lost uh, Kingdom held half a dozen test screenings yielding bleak results for the James Wan-directed movie. According to Big Screen Leaks, the studio purposefully avoided answering questions about the DCU movie because test screens for this film have not been good, while also claiming to hear something that almost never happened in the test screening happened in this movie. Snyder followed up with this clip by stating the bad test screens are part of the reason Jason Momoa has been tipped to join as the long-rumored Lobo. Even though I thought James Gunn came out and confirmed that he wasn't going to be doing that. Uh, wasn't going to be Lobo, but maybe I'm wrong. Look, I'll be honest. Um, also, side mention, comic book resources does say Snyder alluded to the original Aquaman being awful too. A similar sentiment various critics hurled upon the film following his 2018 release. I think that's important. First off, let me just say, one, Anytime somebody says test screenings, I don't initially believe them. Um, I think test screenings definitely do happen very much in secret. But I think half these people that say, hey, test screenings happen, there's no damn test screenings. Not to say that there weren't any test screenings here. I'm just being honest. There are certain times people will say, hey, a test screening is happening. It hasn't happened. Um, but in some instances, yes, it is true. Um, I think the fact also that uh, when it comes to test screenings, I haven't seen an article from like Deadline, Variety, um, Screen Rant, uh, Collider confirming this type of stuff, right? They're all going around. They're being reported as rumors. It's being reported as a rumor, right? Um, it's rumored to be a big mess. Um, so one, um, it's just a rumor right now. And two, you know, I don't, I don't know. Have they had early screenings? I have no idea. Nobody's confirming this to me. Um, although Jeff Snyder, who usually does reveal things, is usually pretty reliable. But again, I will also point out what the article stated. Snyder alluded to the original Aquaman being awful too. A similar sentiment various critics hurled upon the film following his 2018 release. So those critics already didn't like the first Aquaman. You think they're going to like the second Aquaman? This is why sometimes you got to be worried about who's reporting what, how are they reporting things, and where's the source coming from? Because you already have critics that bashed the first Aquaman movie and weren't big fans of it. And people love the movie. Well, I don't want to say people love the movie because I'm sure there were some people that weren't fans of it. But the movie went on to make a billion dollars, okay? 
you make that money from somewhere. Someone's enjoying your movie clearly, but these critics want to tell you the movie was awful, right? So what do they want to do for Aquaman 2? They want to tell you it's awful before you've even fucking seen the movie. They want to tell you it's fucking awful, guys. So no, I don't, I'll believe it with my own eyes. Thank you very much. I don't, um, I don't need critics to be sandbagging something before it's even come out when you're not even deadline, you're not even variety, you're not even the Hollywood reporter, you're not even Empire Magazine to give me these details. You know what I'm saying? You're already a biased critic making another biased criticism for a movie that hasn't even been released yet. So, um, you know, look. Some people, I'm sure, looked at Aquaman and was like, this is a hot mess. I personally found it extremely fun. I thought Jason Momoa really made that movie fun for me. I thought the battles uh, towards the end, especially the big uh, underwater battle sequence, was incredible and really well done. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, I really did. I'm not saying it blew me away. I'm surprised the movie made a billion freaking dollars, but it eventually did. So people clearly went back and saw it. Good word of mouth, and people clearly enjoyed this movie. So don't let them gaslight you already before the movie has even come out, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I do not believe these rumors. If the movie could come out and be absolutely trash, it really could be. Sequels are very difficult to certainly do, right? I'm not saying that. It's not possible of happening. I'm just saying what we're um, eight months out from this movie coming out and people are already talking about how awful it is. You thought the first one was awful, too, and I enjoyed it. So I'm just going to go into this movie with an open mind, as I think uh, a lot of us certainly should. Um, Oops, I didn't mean to close that down. What else we got? John Schuyler. Oh, man, it's a long one. Um. You guys talked about this a lot, but I feel like ever since Samurai, the team-ups in Power Rangers have been really bad. Uh, you're probably not wrong. The footage itself um, was from the Sentai series, uh, Cure Ranger versus Go Busters, which was all about three different Dino Ranger teams. Whereas in Beast Morphers, we got Jason, who was the original Red Ranger, who was just there as an afterthought and to accommodate the Japanese footage. He was briefly used that he didn't even get um, anyone to represent Dino Thunder, just lousy unknown voiceovers. I get it. When it comes to MMPR, it was really hard to bring back the original cast members due to the show being non-union but on the other hand it irritates me that we couldn't get any of them or dino thunder actors to do their voices yet we were able to get to able to with riley and shelby as a dino charge green rangers and pink rangers confirmed by brandon mejia himself tyler himself was a jerk when he interrupted jason when he introduced himself the story on its own was pretty weak uh, with a dumb morale with Devin. um and the whole morphing grid nonsense, though the build of the up to the crossover itself was one of the best I've seen. Uh, they planted a lot of seeds throughout references right before the crossover. The biggest thing that made no sense was the classic Megazord and uh, Thundersaurus Megazord magically revived due to the morphing grid. Uh, at least in Super Sentai, the classic Megazord uh, was a living being and was able to duplicate itself with the other two Megazords. Anyways, this entire crossover had so much potential. It's so jarring that Ninja Steel, uh, which was really bad series, had a better team up in Dimensions of Danger, which was very much a new original footage while Beast Morphers uh, which was a good series, had the bad team up uh, with mainly Sentai footage. This is why I feel Super Sentai is hugely is a huge disadvantage if you don't want to create all new and original footage with better writing. So I really wish the crossover was solely just with the Dino Charge Rangers, um, considering the Sentai crossover took place during Cure Rangers. Sorry for sharing th- 
sorry for sharing this thoughts on this compared to the ones we had in ninja steel um it was that you know i look i i while i enjoyed it i'm not gonna lie it was sloppy um i was always i always thought it was dangerous to even try and do that crossover just because of the dependency on super sentai honestly uh, I didn't mind the Austin St. John stuff personally. I was a big fan of it. So that, but that's just me. But I can understand some people feeling kind of underwhelmed. Um, you know, for me, Dimensions in Danger, while again enjoyable, the copy and paste of Lord Draken, but not Lord Draken, made me roll my eyes for majority of this um, of that crossover too. So they definitely had their faults to me. Um, but um, you know, I, I get some of your complaints. And thus, thus why I'm such a big proponent and pushing forward of all original footage, um, whether that be action sequences, Zord sequences, whatever the case may be, all original footages. But people want to push back against me. You know, Adam, we need Super Sentai for Power Rangers to live. No, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, it, it, it does allow for them to be able to create their own stories. And I do think the 30th anniversary of Power Rangers will showcase to people why we don't necessarily need to be connected to Sentai footage as much as we have been in the past. That uh, originality will hopefully allow them to break those handcuffs, those creative handcuffs, uh, and give us something original and unique and different. As far as like the voice acting work, I, I think a lot of this also has to maybe deal with the Thunder, Dino Thunder Rangers themselves. I don't necessarily know if they wanted to be involved. I don't know if that's on Hasbro uh, or if it's, They've moved on and just didn't want anything to necessarily do with it. Not to say all of them, but maybe some of them. Um, I think the gentleman that played the Blue Ranger, I think he might have been open to coming back. I could be wrong, but you guys let me know in the comment section box below. Um, but, you know, look, it's under Hasbro now. So uh, we'll see what Hasbro decides to do with, with that type of stuff. Hopefully they make better decisions going forward, John. Uh, Roberto Buena. What's up, Roberto? What you got for me today, man? He says, uh, if Heckle does return in Power Rangers Cosmic Fury, especially as a long-awaited Dark Ranger, do you think this could make some fans appreciate Dino Charge more as a series um, since it was the actual show that Heckle was a part of? And yeah, I wouldn't. it would not surprise me if Dino Charge gets a little bit of bump in um, viewership after this, after this anniversary season. Um, But the whole idea was scrap thanks to Saban. Yeah, what a dumbass, right? <laughs> So maybe Heckle finally become a Dark Ranger could redeem Dino Charge a little bit as a series, despite the weird time and time travel in a series finale. I, I think it could, Roberto, to totally. If um, Heckle is utilized correctly and properly, um, and we do see him as a Dark Ranger in Cosmic Fury, I do think there will be a bump of people revisiting Dino Charge for sure. Um, Jack Daniels, because it's 5 o'clock somewhere, uh, I asked this before about why i love fast and the furious tokyo drift and why i think the current franchise being bombastically ridiculous was a great change because in my perspective the films certainly wouldn't last long if it was strictly street racing uh it's not like they forgot where the movies came from uh, they made a conscious decision to shift to more action-oriented storylines because it reached a broader audience even by the time tokyo drift came out street racing was already somewhat played out while some people hated that Fast and the Furious 4 turned, in, for turned out to be the prequel to Tokyo Drift, I actually really liked the twist because it further connected Dom Toretto to Han since Vin Diesel himself did actually cameo at the end of the Tokyo Drift. We will later get the return of Lucas Black as Sean in Fast 7 and 9. Um, 
who was the protagonist of Tokyo Drift. Anyways, what I give Tokyo Drift credit over the first two films was it actually incorporated street racing into the story more fully. Despite what the franchise has become now, people clearly still go out and see every installment. The latest trailer for Fast X does seem like it brought back street racing, which was the franchise DNA since day one. Yeah, look, I would agree with you. Um, Even though it has kind of gotten ridiculous, I do think um, it was a, a great move on their part. The fact that we've got a 10th Fast and the Furious movie, I think, is um, um, showcases that extremely well. Um, and it, it and I think also as it's gone along, it continues to embrace its ridiculousness even more fully. And so I think people go appreciating that and understanding that the series knows what it wants to be and it executes it extremely well, you know. Uh, if you like that bombastic, over-the-top sort of action sequences, eh, Fast and Furious is probably for you. But I do think that um, that transition was extremely well done. I wasn't a fan of um, Tokyo Drift, but you're right in the sense of I do think um, the prequel, the idea of Fast, Fast and the Furious 4, uh, I do think that that was certainly a good move. And it very much reinvigorated this franchise, and it was definitely needed. So I wouldn't have expected 10 movies from this franchise, but... Um, you know, they uh, they knew what they were doing, apparently. Um, Jackson Peterson. Last week, he talked about Jonathan Majors being arrested for domestic assault against his girlfriend. If he is proven guilty, will Kevin Feige take action or will the situation be glossed over just like Ezra Miller? Plus, how are sources getting this information when a celebrity gets arrested? Like, are people just randomly waiting outside to see an actor or singer do something controversial and then arrested? Uh, I think that is the definition of paparazzi, Jackson. Um, if you are famous and you're a star, um, they are everywhere that you go. Uh, you can come out of the bathroom stall. There's probably one or two photographers waiting out the bathroom. Uh, there's probably 10 or 11 waiting outside the restaurant that you're in, that you're eating at, you know? Um, so if you're a big and rising star like Jonathan Majors, I don't think they're following you because they're waiting for you to fuck up or do something controversial, but they always want to know what you're doing, what you're up to, what's the next sound bite you're going to give, what's the next interview, what are you going to say next sort of thing. That's literally the definition of paparazzi is to follow you everywhere you go and be everywhere uh, that you certainly are at. So um, that's how they get their information. Uh, and also, we're just in the the world of technology these days and just information moves so quickly you know it only takes one person to see something to text send and fucking the whole world knows what happened you know what i mean sort of thing so information definitely does move quickly um but it definitely helps if you're a paparazzi who's usually there um you know to, to, to pick up on those things quickly. Like, I don't think they're there watching the action actually take place, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some people like literally outside of Jonathan Major's home or, you know, there's somebody at TMZ literally listening to like the police scanner to see like what emergencies come through, if it's involved with anybody type of thing, right? So um, yeah, all the media and paparazzi got you covered forever. Um as far as will Kevin Feige take action or will the situation be glossed over just like Ezra Miller? Look, I have been reading reports and rumors and the idea that they are contemplating uh, recasting the Kang character. Um, I would not want to be Kevin Feige in Marvel right now. I don't think that they're gloss over it like the Ezra Miller situation, though. 
I think something will concretely happen. Um, you know, they're not necessarily Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is definitely just some deceptive shit, man. Like they just they just really ignore the the, the f out of things sometimes and don't really address things when they, they should. They certainly should. Um, so n- nobody should go the route or utilize Warner Brothers Discovery as a template on how to handle a situation like this. Like they just they should not. Okay. Um, even though Ezra Miller is certainly getting a pass, nobody believes that this man deserves a pass. And I can tell you honestly, if Jonathan Majors is found guilty, nobody will want Jonathan Majors to get a pass either. Um, I'm hoping that he's innocent. We haven't heard anything. And if you ask me, sometimes I think quiet is quiet is almost damning, you know, um, as much as his lawyer came out and was like, we've got evidence, look at these text messages sort of thing. I haven't heard anybody say they 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 dropped the charges officially. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. If they have officially dropped the charges, please go ahead and let me know somewhere. But I don't believe that that's the case. And so um, it's still very much up in the air. And I think Marvel has a really terrible decision that they have to eventually make. You know, you put a lot of money and a lot of effort behind getting this dude and making him a pivotal, pivotal part of your multiversal saga. Um, and so to have this happen and potentially blow up in your face, yeah, this is like, uh, it's almost like DC and Marvel are changing like positions, like swapping places, almost like the Marvels. They use their powers. Whoop, they swapped all of a sudden. Now it's like Marvel's the one with all the drama on their side. So again, that's just reports and rumors that I'm reading that they are contemplating the idea of recasting can the recasting work? Maybe because we're in the multiversal stage. Maybe it's another variant of can I have no idea. But uh, it will be some heavy lifting, to say the least. And I am kind of curious if some things that have Jonathan Majors in it will be delayed. I got to imagine that this is giving Marvel Studios somewhat of a headache, especially when you got Loki Season 2 that's getting ready to drop later on this year and Jonathan Majors is in that. Do you quietly just go ahead and release that and not promote it so much? You know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's still business as usual until they get something more concrete and when they do get things more concrete uh or they let the justice system sort of play itself out then maybe at that point then they'll make changes accordingly but um i will just say this i don't be surprised if he does get recast if this really evolves into more um it's a little bit of a bummer, man. I, I hope again. I hope I hope he's innocent, um, because I really seem to admire the dude. He, you know, he was saying all the right things. Um, somebody that you felt, man, he's a really great role model. Somebody that you can really look up to. But this is why I tell people all the time: sometimes you just can't put all of your faith into somebody. You know, sometimes you got to prepare yourself for that type of stuff. Um. We're not perfect. We're not human beings. We fuck up, you know. Um, so, yeah, man, just, um, I really hope it's not true. But we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Um, Carter Matthews. What's up, Carter? Um, the aftermath of No Way Home. In Spider-Man No Way Home, when Doctor Strange erased the entire world's memories and everyone who knew of Peter Parker's identity 
Uh, do you think this also meant that every news report, footage, videos, and pictures of him magically disappeared? Did this also meant that even Tobey Maguire and Garfield's Peter Parker identities were erased from people they cared about? Plus, what about the villains? Did the impact of them become corrupted, get erased? Uh, like James Franco's Harry Hos Harry Osborn? Does he no longer know that Peter was Spider-Man and his death being reversed since the whole reason he became um, Goblin and Spider-Man through is because he found out that Peter was Spidey? That's a good question. Um, so, like, I'm under the impression it's just Tom Holland's. Um, I don't think it's affected for Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker's. I'm under the impression it's simply just for Tom Holland's Peter. So, uh, when Doctor Strange erased the entire world's memories of everyone who knew of Peter's identity, do you think this also meant that every news report footage, videos, and pictures of him magically disappeared? Uh, yes. Or the mask was put on um, to any of that footage. So, yes, I'm under the impression that if it's a reveal of Peter in the suit where you can see who is wearing the costume, those moments will, in fact, be forgotten. Or any of those moments where he's had interactions with people um, as Peter Parker. Um, so, yeah, I think that's I think that's where that goes from there. So he's pretty much a clean slate. So, like, I can still see him being a member of the Avengers. They just have no idea who this, who's under the mask. Uh, is is kind of how I'm assuming, along with the villains and stuff. They really have no idea who's under the mask. They just know him as Spider-Man. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys. I think um, I'm going to wrap it up because it is getting kind of late. It's uh, it's past 10 o'clock here. I know we're only two, minutes, two hours and 45 minutes in, but uh, it's been a long day um, and a draining day to say the least. So if anything... Starting with Adrian Perez, I will start off live your questions with you, uh, Adrian, and we'll work our way all the way up to Kurt Marino. So if anything, um, again, this this whole week, I'm going to be working from my office uh, out in a different city. So I'm not going to be home to have access to my laptop to make content very quickly. Uh, I usually do not get home until about seven o'clock at night. So a lot of the stuff that you guys see will probably be pre-recorded. But what I will do is tomorrow when I get home from work, I will go ahead and uh, record a review for the, uh, excuse me, record a video for live viewer questions and drop it Tuesday morning for you guys. So pay attention to that. So a live viewer question video beginning with Adrian, working my way all the way up to Kurt uh, will be dropped for you guys Tuesday morning. So certainly look out for that, guys. But um, other than that, that will do it for us for our live viewer question segment. Uh, Marcelino says, uh, you have to keep in mind, Lord Draven was written before Shattered Dream was finalized. That's fair. I'm a big believer that workers work better and writers better when restrictions are given. Sometimes you need someone to tell you no and tell you what your limits are. Um, I guess, but Super Sentai is a whole different level of constraint. I think there's a difference between writing something, giving your notes to a producer or the studio, and they give you notes back on what to change compared to having something that's already plotted out for you. And set for you, and then you having to then navigate through all of that. Um, 
I get the fear and the worry of an unrestrained writer. In some instances, yes, I do see that as a case like Taika Waititi. I don't necessarily know if I want him to be restrained, but I think that's where studio notes come into play in the sense of like maybe that's reeled this back in. So I get what you're saying, but I view that compared to the situation Power Rangers is in completely different in a sense that Super Sentai literally plots out a, a, a story for you, the marks you have to hit, the moments you have to hit, and then you have to then create your own story that intertwines between that so you can use that footage properly and it's all got to ma- That just feels like a fucking headache just explaining it. So it does feel like two different avenues uh, of, of writing and how that's executed. Uh, but I get what you're talking about, Marcelino. Um... Other than that, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, I will be back next Sunday. What time will we be back yeah, is unknown as of right now. Um, I will see if I can. I do believe I might have somebody be able to watch Kittle for me, so we might be able to do something Sunday. But I'm also going to talk to the fellas about trying, to, again, to try and figure out a day. I'm even going to have to talk to the girlfriend also and try and figure out a day that works. Um that we can have something more consistent for you guys. Cause I understand the importance of consistent videos uh, and you guys uh, expecting things to be there when we say it's certainly going to be there. I always try and hold true to my word in that regard. So I apologize if we haven't necessarily the been the best about that as of right now, but next week we will be back next Sunday for sure. I don't think there's any random holiday popping up yet. So um, I think that's what happened to us last week and too, was that it was Easter also. And I, it completely, I, I completely went over my head. So, um, but we will be back next Sunday for you guys. Um, probably when I post the live viewer question post later on this week, if anything, uh, it'll probably let you know what time you can expect our Sunday episode of A Plus Hero Report. And hopefully I'll be able to have either Stuart or Indy or at least another um, co-host, maybe another collaboration moment who certainly knows for you guys on the channel. Um, with that out of the way, again, we are looking for additional help. Uh, if you guys want to become official team members for Hero Report uh, and create content for the channel in some way or capacity, we definitely want to hear from you, uh, whether that be working social media in regards to promoting our videos for us, um, putting up your own possible reels or YouTube shorts uh, to give your quick thoughts. Uh, we definitely would love somebody that feels comfortable on the social media side. You don't have to necessarily always show your face, but if you want to, you certainly can. Um, we're also looking for somebody over on our Facebook. Facebook page to post news, posters, trailers on the daily uh, and give us your particular thoughts as well over on our Facebook page to make sure that our Facebook page is always up to date throughout the day. Um, But if you want to go ahead and feel comfortable in front of the camera, uh, we would love to have you as a contributor here for A Plus Hero Report, whether that be weekly long form reviews uh, or if you have additional content that you would like to create that you think would certainly be be great on our channel. Uh, we're certainly very much open to hearing some of your creative uh, choices. And, um, you know, if, if it's something that you've always considered possibly doing, but have never had a platform, we definitely have a platform here for you to certainly grow uh, as we are looking for consistent contributors here uh, at A Plus Hero Report uh, to have some fun with us, man, and uh, talk some stuff maybe on Sundays. Or again, if you want to review a Netflix show or Amazon show, or maybe you go to the movies on a weekly basis 
and you're constantly watching new releases we also would love movie reviews on the channel also so plenty of room to grow here on hero report we just want to know if you're interested in joining so feel free to go ahead and reach out to us you can find me on social media right here at a plus opinions you can um, direct message me on any of those forms if you like or if you want to email me directly a plus opinions at gmail.com guys um, so definitely go ahead and reach out to us but other than that that's going to wrap it up for us here man uh, we'll definitely be back next week with a much more tighter format for the show but overall guys thank you so much for certainly joining us here and we'll certainly see you next week but until then do me a big favor as always guys take care of yourselves take care of each other and keep it a plus i'll talk to you guys later bye <laughs>